Good morning. Welcome to Wake Up Carolina. Tuesday morning, 843-661-0937. Our number, good morning, Josh. Good morning. Good morning, Rev. Good morning. The greatest regular season sports franchise the world has ever known, but they struggle in the playoffs. But but I, I want to cut the braze a little slack. Um, this new format, this new model is unfair to teams that dominate the regular season. The Dodgers won 100 games. The Braves won 104 games. The Dodgers won their division by... 14 games, the Braves won their, I think the Dodgers won their division by 16 games. The Braves won theirs by 14 or 15. They're playing now the two teams that they lapped in the regular season. The Dodgers are down 0-2. The Braves are headed to Philadelphia for a game tomorrow night, tied 1-1, mm-hmm. and a miraculous comeback win um, last night at Truist Park. So the two teams that the regular season deemed the best two teams in all of the national over 162 yeah, games are one in three yeah. in their four playoff games. And it's, you can't, I mean, a baseball team has to play baseball and the new format forced, I didn't say allowed forced the Dodgers and Braves to take a week off. Oh yeah. And come back and play these two really good teams that were second in your division. That were rolling yeah, all the along. Yeah, the Diamondbacks and Phillies. Yeah, you know, that just won a playoff yeah, one, series. Yeah, won the wild cards. It, the absurdity of that. Who thought that made any sense? It's, you know, it's just baseball is a, you talk about radio being a forward momentum endeavor. I mean, baseball is, you get hot. You know, are, are, are you, you know, the Braves are hot right now. The Braves are having issues right now. With a 162-game season, you're going to have some of that. The Braves aren't playing any baseball right now. Well, what do you mean? They got an off day? No, they're not playing all week. <laughs> All week? Yeah. I mean, they got five days, six days off. They're not playing a single baseball game. And the Dodgers and Braves are the two best teams in the National League. They're one and three in their four postseason games. And I believe the biggest contributors, not because the Phillies are better than the Braves or the Diamondbacks are better than the Dodgers. I mean, the Phillies and Diamondbacks are good teams. I mean, there's not a single Braves fan that will say the Phillies suck because they don't. They're a good team. But the Braves were 15 games better in the regular season. The Dodgers were 16 games better in the regular season. And they're basically being punished by having to take a week off and wait, um, you know, trying to reenact live games, you know, inviting a few fans to the stadium. I don't know what the Dodgers did, but I would imagine they're dealing with the same sort of, um, you know, the the layoff creates this lack of momentum. Uh, Anyway, the Braves pulled it out. That may be, we hope, the catalyst to get them in gear, to get them going. They had to, um, I mean, from what I've heard, I've not seen a play of it, but a couple of home runs late in the game and then a miraculous defensive play toward the end of the game. I was up. I watched it. Yeah, I didn't. I was in bed. Well, I mean, you know, you can doze off during the show this morning, and I can't. I got to keep my (laughs) mind firmly at uh, at task. I need help. I mean, look at the rundown sheet. What have I got written down, Rev? Nothing. nothing. It's blank. I don't know where to go from here. But I don't, if we were talking about the budget, debt, infrastructure, education, local politics, state politics, the federal government, I I got a lot to say and talk about. I don't understand the world. I mean, I really, I'm not a foreign policy expert by any stretch of the imagination. I tried to read as much yesterday uh, as I could about occupation. The Palestinians accused the Israelis of occupying territories that belong to them, um, Israel says, no, this is about terrorism. Um, I told Josh this morning, I am more inclined today than I was yesterday in agreeing. And nobody's asking me this. Nobody called me last night and said, hey, do you think we should send military armaments to the Middle East or not? 
Yesterday, I was hesitant because my mindset has evolved. I had become um, the quintessential non-interventionist. I mean, it's just my go-to um, default motion or, or position. No, I mean, I, I don't want to do that. I, I don't think we need to be there. Um, the Ukrainians don't hate us. The Russians don't hate us. I mean, the Russians have a burning desire to be a superpower. Putin wants to get the band back together. I don't doubt um, some of that. The likelihood of that happening is slim to none, uh, but that's what he likes. China wants to be the dominant force in all of the world. But I don't know that China hates America to the point of, uh, you know, cutting heads off and videoing and Facebook living these sorts of things. Um, the fanatical Islamist, Islamic terrorist does. And that, to me, is a, is a degree of separation, Josh. You and I discussed yesterday a little bit about your generation, my generation, how we feel about some of these um, issues. Uh, yesterday, I tried to convince myself that the I had to be consistent. I had to be, you know, my foreign policy, if my foreign policy is non-interventionist, my foreign policy must be non-interventionist. I can't be a waffler. I can't be a flip-flopper. I can't say this and then say and say that. I want to be true and virtuous and have a little integrity to my position. I am so disinterested in Ukraine and Russia. I'm of the humanity, the humanitarian in me says I care greatly about people who are being killed on both sides. But but I don't know that that brings a direct threat to the safety and security of America. I mean, you, you could go down the road of energy and the economy and, you know, if Putin gets his way in Ukraine, he goes into Poland, he goes into some of these other NATO nations, and the next thing you know, you've got a, um, I guess, a Nazi-like or Third Reich-like march across Europe. I don't buy that. I mean, I, I just, I think Putin is a shadow of his former self. I think the Russia dynamic is less influential around the world than um, than the former Soviet Union. Uh, I understand Russia has immense nuclear armaments. I understand that Putin is an ambitious uh, socialist, but but I just don't sense the hatred, the 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 the, the zealotry to wish harm on the Western world as I do in some of these. Um, some of these readings, I, and I'm talking about people who know what they're talking about. I'm not talking about yours truly. I mean, I, I tried to read about six or eight opinions yesterday. It's interesting. The first opinion I read was Al Jazeera, and it was very so pro-Palestinian. The first pro one that came up in your Google search? Oh, yeah. In, in the Google search, yeah. it was Al Jazeera. You know, the Palestinian, excuse me, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict for dummies, basically, is what it was. You know, when the, the formation of the Jewish state in 1948, uh, the occupation, um, you know, and the uh, the taking of land and the expanding of the footprint. And I mean, it gets complicated. And I, and I don't want to go down that road because I'm not historically knowledgeable enough to, you know, speak with any degree of credibility on that issue. But, but I'll tell you the one thing that I gathered last night. The Palestinians have decided to elect terrorists as their government leaders. I mean, that's their governing philosophy. I didn't say Iran. I think there's a fair debate to be had about whether Iran, I mean, we know Iran harbors terrorism. We know Iran funds terrorists. But has Iran accepted as its governing philosophy terrorism? The Palestinians have. I'm sorry. Are there peaceful Palestinians? I'm sure there are. But the Palestinians who live in Gaza have basically appointed, elected, put in charge Hamas and Hezbollah. I think Hezbollah on the West Bank more so than in, in the Gaza Strip. 
but but what do you expect? I mean, if you're a Palestinian and you ascribe to the notions of, um, you know, the West is infidels. Rev said this morning he saw somewhere, um, what, what were you saying about, um, you know, death to America? Yeah, death there, to there the was Western. a video, and this, it wasn't from this weekend. There were some protests, obviously, over the weekend, but this was a, an example of a video. It's within the last few years, and it was a, a guy in New York who was in front of a group, and he was like, you know, Islam is the right religion, uh, submit or die. Yeah, and that's kind of the philosophy of Gaza, excuse me, of Hamas and Hezbollah, and they are the governing factions of these territories. Um, I am far more inclined today than I was yesterday, and nobody's, once again, Josh, I don't have the green light and a red light. I'm not the guy they call to say yes, yeah, yeah or nay, but I am far more inclined today, far more likely to support some sort of military engagement by the Americans. Now, I don't want boots on the ground. I mean, I don't think there's any need for that because Israel Israel has had a massive increase in signups. I mean, they've got this this deal with their young people. you got to serve, what, two years as a reservist? I mean, even if you don't go in active duty, every single Israeli male has to go into a two-year program where he's available for reservist duty. And yesterday, I don't know if you saw this or not, the line of cars waiting to uh, be assigned was, I mean, young men just leaving their cars beside the road, you know, rushing to the office, rushing to the, I guess, wherever they process these kids and their kids. I mean, they're 20, 21, 22, 23-year-old kids, but they're basically volunteering themselves for service. Now, now once again, in Israel, I don't think you have a chance to volunteer yourself for service. Um, You're spoken for for a couple of years in your early life, but, uh, but they were, I mean, they were overwhelmed by the number of young Jewish males saying, here I am, where do I go? What do I do? I've got reservist training. Uh, you know, I'm a year into this, a year and a half into this, six months into this, but tell me what I need to do. I, I was thinking about last night, what would happen in America if we were under imminent threat? I mean, how many young American men would say, here I am, I- I'm available. Do with me what you choose to do with me in the name of, of securing my country's well-being, uh, I, I I tremble <laughs> thinking I hope about I would what, be impressed. Well, I mean, I mean ho- faced in yeah. the same circumstance, uh, hope in one hand and grabbing the other. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. ho- hope. I, yeah, there's a lot of things you and I hope for. <laughs> yeah, we right. hope for two home runs and a great play. And uh, you got <laughs> That's that. True. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't build my life on hope, nor do <laughs> nor do you. Yeah. Um, I tremble at the prospects of America being under direct threat. And how many young men and women, I guess, to some degree, uh, would be willing to fight, aid, and assist whatever um, came our way? But long story short, that there is I mean, there is some equivalency to Russia, Ukraine, and um, Gaza and Israel. I mean, it's territorial. That there are boundaries, there are cultures, there are years and years and years of coexisting or not, but. But I don't believe it was Russians that flew planes in the buildings. Uh, you know, the um, the majority of terrorists that have targeted America have not been Russians or Chinese, for that matter. They've been um, fanatical Islamists. And by that, I guess by that being the line of demarcation, I am far more inclined to do whatever it is we need to help Israel destroy Hamas and Hezbollah. But that'll be an interesting proposition. How do you destroy a, a movement? How do you destroy uh, a mindset? How do you destroy um, the mentality of someone who believes you don't have a right to exist? 
Because I read this morning in several different places, um, but the friendly definition, you ready? Um, Hamas is a Palestinian militant group which rules the Gaza Strip. It is sworn to Israel's destruction and wants to replace it with an Islamic state. Hamas has fought several wars with Israel since it took power in Gaza in 2007. In between those wars, it has fired or allowed other groups to fire thousands of rockets into Israel, carried out deadly attacks. Israel has also repeatedly attacked Hamas with airstrikes and together with Egypt has blockaded the Gaza Strip since 2007, which it said it needs for, for its safety and security. They're not a militant group. I mean, they're a terrorist organization. And the Palestinians in Gaza have decided to put this terrorist organization uh, in power, in charge, run their government. And, and, and you know, the fair, compl- uh, the fair criticism would be, well, you say that, but what would you do if you were a Palestinian in Gaza and they said, do you vote for us or not? And they've got a machete in their hand. I mean, what, what do you say, Rev? I mean, you're not a terrorist, but if you're a Palestinian, you're living in Gaza, and, and somebody from the um, from uh, Hamas comes to your door and says, hey, we can, can we count on you for your vote? And they've got a machete in their hand. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. I mean, you don't worry about that. Well, where's the Smartmatic machine? You know, I'll cast that ballot right now. I mean, that, that, so I don't have any idea how much of that goes on in this country. I guess the macro is I was – I mean, I think I understood it a little bit yesterday, but but I don't think I had time to process and distinguish. Um, and, and I hope you understand what I'm saying. I mean, it, what's happening in Ukraine is is just terrible. It's horrific. It's 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 uncalled for. It's unnecessary. But it, it's happened throughout history. We've had wars over territory and culture, and you know, um, I think what was the Sam yesterday said, you know, by conquest. I mean, that, you know, a lot of the, most of the boundaries in the world today are basically drawn by what? You know, people sitting down at a table agree? No. Uh, one has conquest over the other, and they make the rules, and they draw the boundaries, and they occupy the land. They claim rights to the land. Um, and, and, you know, Gaza is a Palestinian state. But um, you asked me this morning, what, what has changed? I mean, the Abraham Accords, you can read that, try to better understand it. I think, I think some of these Islamic nations, and this is where I get more confused, some of these Islamic nations seem to me breaking away from the traditional orthodoxies of Islam. I, mean, I don't want to say more mainstream. I don't know what, I mean, well, you know, I'm a Christian. I can speak to that. The virgin birth, you know, the, the crucifixion, the resurrection. I mean, those are central issues in my faith and religion. I don't understand you know, what Muhammad saw, said, heard, did. I, I, I'm not a student of Islam by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I've, I've read summaries of the Quran to try and better understand why it is they come from that position and why do they adopt that strategy. But, um, but I mean, the, the, the country that Israel is dealing with, Iran, is a sponsor of terrorism. The Palestinians have decided to allow terrorists to be a large faction of their governing force. Israel has to deal with that. And and I think we eventually deal with that. What did we talk about yesterday? Um, how many supercells are in America today because of our lax security at the north of the southern border? I don't know. I don't have any idea. But they're motivated by this same, you know, Allah Akbar. I mean, they, they seem to be motivated by a hatred, a, a zealous hatred of the, the, the West, America in particular. Take a break. Back in a few. Eight four three six six one zero nine three seven. I don't believe the Jews are responsible for the dead Palestinians. I think Hamas 
is responsible for the dead Palestinians. When you come into a country and barbarically, if that's a word, attack in the most horrific way imaginable, just innocent people. I mean, the the the, the rules of war. I mean, there there are even rules of war that say you don't target the innocent. I mean, they, obviously innocent die in war. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But you don't target the innocent. I mean, Hamas is targeting the innocent. They're targeting the vulnerable. The women and children have been raped and, and murdered in front of their in front of their families, and then the, the the mother and father have been led to other places to be raped and and murdered. I mean, it's 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 barbaric. It's inhumane. I mean, it's subhuman. So to equate what's happening in in, in Ukraine and Russia, I mean, that, I, I don't want to say this sounds the weirdest way. That's a good old fashioned war. I mean, what's happening in in, in Israel is just subhuman, and it's being perpetrated by terrorists, not militants, not 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 you know some 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 surrogates, not you know uh, um, uh, just true believers in a better way for uh, another group of people. These are barbarians, and and these are terrorists. And I believe that America should support Israel. I'm not saying by any means necessary and whatever it costs. I mean, Nikki Haley sounded childish to me yesterday. I mean, it was it was childish. You know, we need to be, you know, whatever it takes, boots on the ground. No, we need to carefully and deliberately think about how to best aid and assist Israel. But Palestinians aren't going to be killed because of Jews. The Palestinians are going to be killed because they've allowed a terrorist organization to be the governing entity in their in their nation. Let's go to the phone. DW in Florence. Good morning. Hey, guys. What's happening? Go Tigers. Uh, question for you. Well, not really a question. Something thinking about. You know, I'm listening to, to the news and all the stuff around us, and people are wringing their hands and hollering and screaming. And you know, I watch stuff in New York and the big cities where they're having all the, you know, people protesting on and on and on and on. And I'm thinking, you know, how many people are not listening or haven't listened for years and years and years? I've just been foretold that this is coming. It's going to happen, and we keep kind of put our heads in the sand, you know, waiting. Well, gosh, maybe not now, but it keeps coming on and on and on, and we keep getting these little hints, and I think it comes from God, uh, what's happening, and for us to wake up and see, you know, come alive. You know, Jesus said, I tell you these things so you will have peace in this world. You will have many trials and tribulations, but take heart. I have overcome the world, and we're missing it. We're, we're missing all the good stuff. We're missing what he's trying to teach us. And tell us time may be running short. It may be another thousand years. Who knows? But every day that you walk is your time to be that kind of person and to change these things. And we're not doing it because we're not catching on. We're not, we're not, we're not hearing it. And it's real depressing to hear that over and over and over. These people just keep wringing their hands and screaming and hollering. And, you know, people who are supposed to know. And it's, it's uh, you know, we need to wake up. We need to, you know, get up, smell the coffee, and, you know, love your kids and love your family and love your neighbors. You know, uh, when things come like Israel does, you got to exact a terrible toll on those people because they're not going to learn anything else. The only way they know is to go after them because that's what they are. They're not going to do be anything else. So, you know, we better wake up. We better get up and look around and see who's in charge and who's not in charge. Uh, continuing in our lives, make the best we can while we're here, but we've got to stand up for what's right and what's wrong. So you guys keep keep telling us what's going on, and uh, again, thank you, you and Dave, and 
and uh, Josh for what you do and uh, people around here are blessed by having you up there. So you guys continue on. Go Tigers. Go Gamecocks. Uh, <laughs> and Braves. So you guys have a great day. Thank you, DW. Appreciate that. <laughs> he's always um, very generous with a Gamecock huh? shout out there. Well, I mean, he's, he's, softening, he's softening in his old age. <laughs> he's had all these surgeries. Every time I go see DW, he's had something fixed. Oh. Um, I can kind of relate to that. So, so here's the question I don't know the answer to. Well, I mean, there are a lot of questions here I don't know the answers to. When I talk about the economy and finance and business and, you know, the recession that I think is coming and heading our way, I do believe I have a degree of understanding. I'm not just a blowhard on the radio. When I say that this worries me, this concerns me, pay attention to this, I think there's some validity in my comments. I don't know the answer to this question, but to me it's the central question. Um, I mean, if you want to back it all the way up to the beginning, I think you ask yourself, is the Muslim faith compatible with Western culture? I mean, you know, Twitter and Facebook and the news and uh, some of the print media full of stories about, you know, Israel would not exist without America. I mean, Rick yesterday talked about we, you know, we decided here's where the Jewish state is going to be. Um, And then there's, you know, kind of an occupation and some of the Palestinians and some of the others. uh, Jerusalem was a big part of that. The Abraham Accords. Um, you know, that, that Donald Trump initiated and got so involved in and figured out a way to pass. You know, w- when you see some nations like Saudi Arabia and, and Egypt try to be more mainstream, and by that I mean accepted by the rest of the world, um, you, you kind of back up from that thought of is, I mean, I know fanatical Islam and Sharia law are incompatible with Western culture, period. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I, mean I, I don't have to be a scholar and read the Koran, I mean, I've watched it in action. I mean, I've I, I watched people perpetrate acts of violence in the name of a God that basically considers those who don't believe in their God infidels. But I've also watched nations like Saudi Arabia and Egypt try to uh, walk the tightrope between, you know, uh, an adherence to their faith and an adherence to the West, you know, the kind of the, the world they do business with. I mean, Saudi Arabia is not crazy, right? I mean, that Saudi Arabia knows that the majority of their exports are where? To Sudan or the Western world? I mean, Saudi Arabia's books get balanced by the consumption of oil. By whom? The Western world. The developed nations is how they pay their bills. So, so you know, I don't have any idea. I'm not living in Saudi Arabia. I don't know uh, what, 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 I don't know what, I, I don't want to say denomination of the Muslim faith because I don't understand enough about the Muslim faith. I mean, I went to a Baptist church. Some of my best friends went to a Methodist church. Some of the others went to a Pentecostal holiness church. Um, but we all felt like we were, we were Christians. I don't have any idea, you know, what sort of adherence to the Muslim faith the people in Egypt and Saudi Arabia have that the people in Iran don't or do. I mean, there's got to be some difference here. Iran has decided to be a, you know, a supporter of terrorism. I mean, they're not a supporter of militant insurgencies. I mean, this is terrorism. I mean, this is horrific and brutal and, and barbarian. What, what these people are doing. And and I don't know the answer to this, but but I do know that there are people in America, that there are members of Congress. I mean, there was a press release yesterday by Congresswoman Tlaib that basically blamed America for this. There would not be an Israel if not for America. There would not be an occupation if not for Israel. And the Palestinians would not have lived under such authoritarian rule if not for, you know, Israel basically, you know, saying, hey, there's that little strip of land. You go there and stay there. I, I, don't, I don't know enough about that to say who's lying, who's telling the truth. 
what where the complexities of debate. I, I do believe when it comes to the economy and business and the you know the government spending too much money, I have a a pretty I don't want to say enormous wealth of knowledge, but I have a good enough to be informed. I mean, we're we're kind of stepping off on we're, we're beginning to contemplate and talk about issues that speculation on some of these is about as good as we can do. But the central question is the Muslim faith compatible with Western culture and society? And if not, what do we do about it? I mean, I know what Israel's doing about it right now, but they've been provoked in a way they never have been since the Holocaust. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, this is similar. This is, you know, killing teens, gathering up Jews, rounding up Jews, and just murdering them by any way necessary. I mean, imagine that, guys. I mean, this is not 9-11 at Pearl Harbor. This is some not, not some organized military attack at a military installation or military personnel. I mean, this is men and women and families in their beds, living as Jews live in Israel, being ripped from the homes and beheaded. I mean, that, that's not a military operation. That's, that's, that's genocide. Back in a minute. 843-661-0937. Rev made an interesting point. I mean, I knew this, but, but I, we had one call today. Um, this is a complicated matter. Very few of us. I mean, everybody goes to the grocery store. We understand inflation. I mean, everybody understands Trump and Biden. Who would be the better president there? Well, I mean, everybody obviously doesn't. Most of you know who would be the better, the better president there. But when you start debating whether there should be a Palestinian state or not, whether, you know, Israel has the right to go kill every Palestine on the planet, um, or a Palestinian on the planet. I mean, those are complicated matters. And, and if you take yourself seriously, you got to demonstrate some reservation because you accept that, Hey man, I don't, I, I mean, I go to the grocery store. I know inflation, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I watch the debate. I know who I like and who I don't like, but you start asking things about is the Muslim faith incompatible with the Western culture and should the Palestinian state be, um, you know, admonished or abolished, uh, blown in obliteration. Um, I mean, most people, I don't know. I don't have any idea. I mean, I don't even know what a Palestinian state is, much less whether they should be allowed to exist or not. And, I mean, some of us have a, a historical curiosity about what is and what ain't. Um, and I think, you know, interesting enough, there was a, a couple of calls yesterday that debated uh, the formation of the Jewish state and should Palestine, if, I mean, I think Rick was talking about Jerusalem, you know, when Trump made Jerusalem the capital of of Israel, was that the right or, or wrong thing to do? I don't know. Um, put yourself in this place. So, I mean, it, it's easy to forget this, guys, but how many Jews were killed? Six million? I mean, in that kind of the, the, the estimation that most people find most trustworthy, so six million Jews were killed. If the Jews aren't allowed to create a homeland, where do they go? I mean, imagine, I mean, if you're a Jew and, and living in the world, living on planet Earth, you're a Jew, you're living on planet Earth in 1947. I mean, what does the world, I mean, I, I mean that, that's almost incomprehensible as far as I'm concerned, but there were Jews that survived. I mean, as hard as Hitler tried to kill every single Jew, he didn't. There were Jews that lived through the Holocaust, that lived through the Nazi rule and Nazi uh, march across Europe. They, where, do you, where, do you, where do you put those Jews? Hell yes, you give them territory. 
You're absolutely right. I mean, if America got to call the shots, you damn right America gives the Jews somewhere to call safe haven and call home. Now, now where the boundaries should be, what do you do with the West Bank and Gaza Strip? I don't know. don't have a clue. But, I mean, put yourself in the shoes of a Jew living on planet Earth in 1947. Wow. Wow. Let's go to the phone. Bert in Florence. Good morning, Bert. Good morning. I don't mean any of this, George, you, so don't take this personal because I know how y'all get upset that anybody talks about the Jews. But how come I never hear from, from mainstream or from talk shows or anything about how the Jews go into Palestinian territory and throw them out of their houses and tell them to move along, burn their furniture in the front yard. I, n- I never hear about that except in, you know, little tidbits from other countries that we don't talk about that. How come we never go back to when, you know, the U.S. unconstitutionally invaded Palestinian land and forced them to accept their enemy there. I don't blame the Palestinians for being angry at the U.S., and I don't blame them for hating the Jews. And also, why don't I ever hear that, you know, it's always the Palestinians hate Americans. Yeah, the the Muslims hate Americans. They want to kill us. And I, you know, I'm upset about that as anybody. But nobody ever talks about the Jews in, in Israel openly speak about the Americans being their future slaves. I mean, they firmly believe that we are human-shaped dogs that will be their slaves. No one ever talks about that. So what I don't get is why we pick either side, because both sides have no good wishes for us. I, I don't know why we're in there, why we invaded them in the first place. Why we invaded where, Bert? Why we invaded where? When we went into the Middle East and said, oh, this land belongs to the Jews because, look, this book says so. Well, even if you go back to that book, they invaded that spot. Their God said, go in there and take over that spot. But that didn't give them the right to it. So, I mean, if they go in there and take it over themselves, that's one thing. But we went over there and took it over for them. We send them what? Three billion dollars a year to protect them, their their country that is truly none of our business. I mean, how do we how do we condone that of ourselves? Bert, I mean, the, right the Palestinians elected Hamas as their government. Hamas admits they're a terrorist organization. Hamas publicly says that every Jew should die. The Palestinians the elected those people to be in charge of the government. And the Jews say every Palestinian should die and every American should I've, be I've, I've never heard of you say that, Bert. I've never heard of you say that. Well, you know, that's because when I try to talk I mean, about it, things like the Holocaust being well, I mean, talk, talking about things and things being off. true, no. Talking about things and things being true are not one of the same. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking well, about, about something that, that I don't have any evidence an of. The, I've got a lot of evidence that says the Palestinian state in Gaza elected Hamas and Hamas basically mm-hmm. admits, I mean, they publicly pronounce and say that every Jew must die at, to, to, to honor Allah. I mean, that, that's not and me the, talking. The Jews, the Jews publicly, you ever listen to their leaders? They're sure I have. To be their slaves, 
uh, that Palestinians are to die? You, you don't ever hear them say that? I've never heard a Jew. I've never heard a Jewish leader say every Palestinian must die. Well, I have. Well, I, I would I've love for you to furnish. Well, let me, it, we'll give you time to play it over the airwaves. If you can find a Jewish elected official saying over public airwaves that every Palestinian must die, that then then I, I'll apologize to you for being wrong. I've just never heard that. Thank you, Bird. Appreciate well, it. I... 843-661-0937. Let's take a break. We'll be back in just a second. 843-661-0937. The, 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 the debate the Palestinians try to argue is apartheid, an oppression, an occupation. I understand that. I mean, I get that. And, and this goes back to the Ottoman Empire. I mean, I'll give you somewhat of a history lesson in the next hour. I mean, the, the, um, the land known as Israel, the Gaza Strip, the North Bank, uh, I mean, the, the West Bank, it was all occupied, all in control or under the control of the Ottoman Empire. There was no war. Why? Because you've got, you know, one power owning it all. And along came uh, British colonization. Um, you know, so, so I mean, it just, we got real fancy schmancy. And, um, and the Ottoman Empire, I mean, it's several hundred years. The Ottoman Empire ruled that part of the world, but then you had this, this, um, you know, the 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 the, the French Empire and the the British Empire and colonization and occupation and I mean, it got real complicated. Let's go to the phone. Someone's there. Anthony in North Carolina. Good morning. You're on. Yeah, morning, fellas. Uh, Ken, you were talking about terrorism just um about six thirty this morning. As a 50-year-old black man in North Carolina growing up, the only chance I, I ever knew was white people. I mean, honestly, the only chance I ever knew was white people coming up. Um, that last call you had about— Whoa, 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 whoa. We, White the, people were terrorists? Yeah, the Ku Klux Klan, the, um, I stayed out here and there, where everywhere, they had Klan meetings regularly. Even to 1991, they had Klan meetings. Oh, yeah, Anthony. That's a I'm 50. Okay. Wow. And that's a terrorist organization. Yeah. And uh, South Carolina, after slavery, had 17 black to every one white person. That's when the, the Jim Crow came in, and they did something to run black people out of South Carolina because they were overpopulated. Now, Ken, maybe your daddy, Mike, when he was a small kid, may have went to uh, hanging. Because on Sundays, speaking of religion, on Sundays, the preacher would go out there under a big tree a lot of people in, in the South, and they would have a hanging of a black people. And you've seen plenty of the pictures of everybody in their church clothes watching it. So when it comes to religion, both of them have their good and their bad. But that last call you had about um, the Jewish people, that person was so correct because they control the media. I remember listening to presidents, Eisenhower, Truman. All, everybody was, was talking about the bankers, warning us about the bankers and what they're going to do if they um, take over whatever. Well, they took over, and everything they say is coming true, but we can't even repeat what they say because we don't control the media no more. When I was, uh, it was 3 million Jews on the census in Germany during the Holocaust. After years and years of adding on whatever, now it's 6.7 million Jews. Look at the record. It was 3-point-something. And there are still Jewish people that go out there now, and they kill, what you call the people, Nazis. Or whatever they are um, Nazi killers. They're going to, to this day. Okay, if you're 90 years old, and they kill them, I think we just need to hear both sides of the story before we start talking about kill all the Palestinians or, or, or whatever. That's not a, a, a Jesus thing to, to say. Kill all of them. Ask for peace first. Find, 
trying to find peace first. When I was 17 years old, that's the main reason that got me out of the Christian religion. It wasn't the religion, it was the people that were so quick to, to say kill people or to be so evil. I'm like, this ain't for me right here. But I enjoy your show, fellas. And like I said, Ken, there's, there are two sides to the Jewish. Sure there are. Th- thank you for the call. Appreciate it, Anthony. Sure there are. I, mean, I don't disagree with that. I mean, there, there's two sides to a lot of stories. Now, I want to say this. I'm 60, and I don't ever remember a, can- a Klan rally. I mean, I've heard of the Klan. I know the Klan existed. And yeah, the Klan was a terrorist organization. But I'm 60, and I've never heard of a Klan rally, um, you know, here or there. I've never heard of a hanging in, in my lifetime. Um, and I grew up in a, in a very rural part of South Carolina. Racism has been a part of my life as long as I've been alive but I've never, ever heard of a Klan rally, and I'm 60. Once again, I don't dispute the Klan existed. I just think it was pr- pr- prior to my time. Take a break back, and if you want to take a bit of a respite from Hamas and Hezbollah and uh, West Bank and the Gaza Strip and Israel and the Jewish state and talk a little bit about what I perceive to be maybe the most interesting candidate other than Cornell West running for president. I mean, with Trump's running and he's not the most interesting candidate, you know, you got a couple of other real interesting candidates. RFK Jr. announced yesterday he's no longer a candidate as a Democrat for president, but rather an independent. So a Kennedy running for president, not as a Democrat, but rather an independent, makes the race even more interesting. Fox News Radio's Tanya J. Powers is in New York. She's with us this morning. Good morning, Tanya. How are you? Good morning. Good. How are you? So what do we make of, um, of RFK Jr. announcing as an independent? I mean, he's continuing to run for the White House just not as a Democrat any longer. Right. Um, he made that uh, announcement yesterday from Independence Mall in Philadelphia. Um, that's where, of course, the you know, founding documents for the country were you know, adopted. I mean, it was very symbolic in you know, independence, uh, that whole theme. He has, as you mentioned, long identified as a Democrat. Um, he frequently invokes his late father, Senator Robert F. Kennedy, of course, his uncle, um, former President Kennedy. Um, however, it seems like he has more support among, you know, Republicans than Democrats as far as who, which one of those has a favorable opinion of him. Polls have shown that more Republicans than Democrats do. Um, he has gotten some support from far-right conservatives for some of his views like uh, his, you know, distrust of COVID-19 vaccines and, and you know, other other views that he holds. He seems to uh, identify with people on the right more so than the left. Uh, his own family actually put out a statement. Four of his eight surviving siblings put out a joint statement uh, saying that his announcement saddened them. Uh, you know, he said, uh, they said that Bobby might share the same name as our father, but he does not share the same values, vision, or judgment, um, and called the, you know, decision uh, to run as a third party candidate against Joe Biden a dangerous, uh, dangerous to our country. Uh, that was those are quotes from their their statement. Um, it's also kind of telling which political parties made the most noise after he announced this run as an independent rather than a Democrat. Uh, the DNC didn't comment. You know, national Democrats were pretty much quiet. However, the Republican National Committee did, as well as the Trump campaign. Both of them, of course, po- pointing to Kennedy's you know liberal background. Um, you know, that kind of thing. That's, that's, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, which one of those <laughs> he takes, he takes votes from. He said on stage uh, to a lot of applause yesterday, he said, the truth is they're both right when, you know, he's asked if he's going to be a spoiler candidate. He said, my intention is to spoil it for both of them. 
Tanya, it seems to me, and this is not a question as much as a comment. I'd love to get your follow-up comment about it. It seems to me the voters reward nonconformity today. I mean, if you're someone, you can be out in left field, but if you don't appear to conform, that there seems to be a certain appetite with the electorate now. And, and, and RFK Jr. seems to be somewhat of a, um, a political nonconformist today. I think that does appeal to some voters. Um, you know, I mean, that's kind of what we've seen with, with Trump. You know, that's even even back as far as 2015 and 2016 when he first announced his candidacy. Um, and, you know, I would ask people, I ask so many people uh, during those two years or a year and a half or so, what do you like about him? You know, why are you supporting him? And And they were... They were very, you know, big on him because, you know, well, he says what he thinks. You know, he's gonna he's gonna go out and shake things up, and that that's they may see this same thing in in RFK Jr. Where they may that may be one of the reasons that they that they like this guy. Um, you know, the fact that he's running as an independent will be interesting. You know, to see how that you know handled. Um, it's a long way between, as you know, <laughs> between here. And next summer when, you know, there's a nominee for both parties, um, we'll have to wait and see how things go at that point if he's still in the race. Uh, it's It takes a lot of money to get to that point. Um, and I'm, you know, I don't know how his fundraising looks or anything like that, but it should be it should be an interesting haul here to see exactly how things go with, with all of this. Very well explained. Tanya, thank you for your time. Have a great day. Mm-hmm. Sure. Thank you. Let's, um, I-, I wanted to make sure we got that in. We had Tanya lined up. I knew we'd talk a lot about, um, Zionism and the Jewish state and Hamas and Hezbollah. You know, I know a lot of the words and terminologies, and I know some of the um, the precepts. I just don't have definition here. I don't fully understand nor grasp. And I'm leveling with you. Um, there, there are things I know and things I don't know about this particular situation, but we can learn together. Now, now I want to go back to something. Um, I mean, it seemed to me, I don't know if it was in Anthony's mouth, but it seemed to me Anthony's questioning the Holocaust. When he talked about the number of Jews reported in Germany before and after, we know Bert has gone on the record denying the Holocaust. Um, full disclosure, I am 100% believing that Jews were put in ovens. I am a 100% believer in the Holocaust and Nazi Germany and the reign of terror that Adolf Hitler, um, you know, uh, targeted the Jews as, um, you know, death to death to the Jewish state or death to the Jewish to the Jewish people. And I go back to the humanistic moment that I said earlier. I mean, imagine being a Jew in 1947. I mean, just, just imagine. I'm not defending everything Jews have ever done. Of course I'm not. Um, I, mean, I had family members that talked about the damn Jews run the banks and they run the business world and they run this and they run that. I've never heard a Jewish political leader say death to Palestinians. I, I'm just not, uh, not. I've heard Jews say that. But I've never heard a Jewish official say, you know, all the Palestinians must die. I've heard many Palestinian political leaders say death to all Jews. And Hamas is an elected, an elected government in the Gaza Strip by whom? The Palestinians. And Hamas is on the record as part of their platform. It's not lower taxes and less government. It's kill every Jew. So the Palestinians elected a terrorist organization and the terrorist organization publicly proclaims, kill every Jew. Let's go to the phone. The, the, the equivalency there is not the same. I'm sorry. Uh, do, do the Palestinians have beefs about apartheid and occupation? Absolutely they do. I mean, there's no doubt about that. 
Um, have the Jews done everything right in regards to maintaining control and discipline over the Jewish state? Probably not. Absolutely not. I mean, there's no perfect people or perfect person. But, but once again, I think the line of distinguishment is one sect of people, the Palestinians, agreed to elect a terrorist organization to lead them into the future. That terrorist organization says a central part of their campaign and governing philosophy is death to all Jews. Let's go to the phone. Rachel in Florence. Good morning, Rachel. You're on. Morning. Um, at the risk of insulting two of your previous callers, they are some of the most woefully misinformed people I have ever had to scream at my radio for. The, um, the Barber Accords were what created the, the state of Israel. It was not the United States waltzing into the Middle East and unconstitutionally carving out a chunk of land. It, the Barber Accords were primarily led by Great Britain and by France, not the United States. It was because the Turkish Ottoman Empire supported Hitler and lost at the end of World War II, and thousands and thousands of thousands of acres of land were, were given up by the Turks, by the Ottomans, to form different countries, that formed Syria and Jordan and, and Israel, and part of it went to Egypt. And the Palestinians, the so-called Palestinians, were a bunch of Turks and Jordanians and Syrians, 600,000 of them who refused to leave. How many other countries lost land during World, War, World Wars I and II and refused to recognize it, even though the United Nations did? That's number one. Number two, the entire idea of, and I, I watch a lot of international news. I've lived overseas. I still get my news from BBC, from France Vancat, from Al Jazeera. There are no Jewish politicians on the news calling for an extermination of Muslims. In fact, there are Arab Muslims living and voting within Israel. They're, they're citizens of Israel. That, that entire line of thinking was absolutely preposterous. And lastly, if those callers are representative of, of the, the education system in the, in the Carolinas, we need an overhaul of that immediately. Thank you, Rachel. Appreciate that. Thank you for the call, 843 843- Six six one zero nine three seven. I mean, she's right. Historically, the I mean, the, the Allied powers and Central powers, um, the Ottoman Empire failed at the end of the what the First World War in uh, in nineteen eighteen nineteen nineteen. Yeah, somewhere there about nineteen eighteen nineteen nineteen. Um, and then you had the League of Nations that was. I read a lot about this last night. I mean, that that was kind of an international organization trying to ensure peace. You always. I mean, I'm always skeptical of some of these transnational conglomerates and organizations that come out of nowhere. But they, um, I mean, they, you know, Palestine had been ruled by the Ottoman Empire for multiple centuries, and and when the Ottoman Empire fell, um, Britain and France had the best hand to play, and I mean, it became kind of a uh, kind of the, the British rule, and I mean, the Brits were big on colonization. And, you know, just I, I don't want to say land acquisition. That's kind of a business terminology. Um, but, but I go back to what I said. I am a firm believer that, that the, the, the Jews have not got everything right. The Americans have not gotten everything right. The Russians have not got, the Chinese have not gotten everything right. But I've never heard someone speaking on behalf of the Israeli government pronounce death to Palestinians. I've heard multiple Palestinian political leaders say every Jew must die. That is a clear distinguishment in the um, who's right and who's wrong debate. And once again, guys, I'm not a foreign policy expert and certainly not a world historian, 
but but I'm better prepared today than I was yesterday because I had a day to try and you know find reliable sources. I talked to a couple of people who know this world much better uh, than I do, and I mean it's complicated. There's no doubt about it. It's complicated, but but I think you've got to you've got to keep reminding yourself that the Palestinians in Gaza decided to elect Hamas as their government, and Hamas has publicly said, "Death to all Jews." Let's go to the phone. George in Florence. Good morning, George. You're on the air. Hey, Ken. This is George. Hey, listen. Um, I'm a little tired of these people that bark up a tree before they know what's up the tree. I had an uncle that was in Auschwitz and Dachau. My mother grew up under the Nazi regime. And when you hear her or heard her at times screaming, hollering, and nightmares, when these other people lived through that process, then maybe they'll take another look at it. Yeah, we're all wrong at, at times, but um, you never hear anything about the Black Panthers. You always hear about the KKK, which was actually brought about by the Democratic Party. But sometimes I get so tired of hearing about the Nazi regime all the way down, especially when you live that life with these with uh, people that lived had to live the consequences of that. And that's all I got to say. Thank you, George. Appreciate that. Eight four three six six one zero nine. Three seven. I mean, I, I tried to really reflect yesterday afternoon, Rev, and I said, "Okay, I'm a uh, I'm a 25 year old Jewish man in 1947. Where do I go? What does the world offer me? What does the world look like to me? Six million of my, um, you know, my 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 brothers and sisters have been murdered at the hands of Nazi Germany, and and, and got stopped with that. The Holocaust is make, but I mean, the Holocaust is real. I mean, it's real." And it's, it's genocide, and it's horrific, and it's horrifying, and it's, it's, it's subhuman. And, and, and I am a bit insulted that someone would call in unprepared. I mean, if you're going to call in and deny the Holocaust, give me some facts. G- give me some data. And, and there are none. I mean, there is none. And it's, it, it's gut-wrenching. It's heartbreaking. But, but once again, I try to put, I mean, every now and then, I've, I've always, in, in business, in my business life, and Rev knows this, I've always said, you know, I'm the other guy. Why would I make the deal or not? It's easy for me to decide on my end, but but I've always said, put myself in the other man's shoes. Why will he make this deal and why will he not make this deal? And if I really want to make the deal, how can I make it more even even more enticing? Well, put yourself in the shoes of a 27-year-old man, a Jewish man in 1947. Where does he go? Uh, what, what, what sort of hope and opportunity does the world offer him? I mean, I understand the world was, I mean, Europe in particular was obliterated. I mean, Europe was destroyed. But but only one group of people had genocide perpetrated against them. And I'm not defending every Jew. I, I'm, not, I'm not defending all my Jewish friends. So, so some get it wrong as much as they get it right. But but I just think you've, th- th- there's got to be some distinguishing here of what the Palestinians have historically said and what the Jews have historically said. I don't know who should have the deed to the land. I mean, I honestly don't. I'm not historically informed enough to say, well, the West Bank should have stopped here and the Gaza Strip should have ended here. But but I do know that genocide was perpetrated against one person, that being the Jewish people. Take a break. Back in just a few moments. 843-661-0937 is our number. Let's go to the phone. Someone's there. Larry in the PD. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Um... I want to just go on record to start that I also believe in the actual and true narrative of what happened during the Holocaust. Apparently, now you have to declare that you believe in actual written history. 
the reason that people want to pretend that the Holocaust didn't exist is because if the Holocaust existed, then their position is completely immoral and untenable. So the only way that they can make themselves appear calm and reasonable and in their right mind is to pretend that it didn't exist. Because if it didn't exist, then you can feel the way they feel and not be a lunatic. But if it did exist, you can't feel the way these people feel and not be a lunatic. So they have to do it. It's, it's, they know it, that it's made up. They, you know, they, they talk about these things that Israel does or says, and they've never done it. They've never said it. And, and they just have to. So when people start talking like that, the first thing you need to do is just discount every single thing that comes out of their mouth after that point that they make that declaration. Because it's just there to justify the other point is, okay, forget the historical facts. Forget the truth of how all of this came to be. And, and I think Rachel did a good job of explaining how it came to be. Forget all that. Where else on the planet do we abide countries that say we are dedicated and devoted to the extermination of a whole group of people? Where else do we do that? The only people that do that are people like China and North Korea we don't treat Palestine the way we treat them. No, we sit down and go, oh, well, come on, guys. You know, from a certain point of view, they're really not bad people. You know why we do that? Because China's not engaged in a religious war against God's people. North Korea is not engaged in a religious war against God's people. And what you find out is that people who don't really take religion very seriously don't care as much about this war, or if they do... They want to take the side that is against God's people. So what does that tell you about those people and how they make their choices? Thank you, Larry. Well explained. Appreciate it. Great call and, and very interesting calls. And look, all opinions are welcome to hear. We're not here to censor what someone says or believes. We'll let the mainstream media do that. We're on, we, 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 we profess to be the last bastion of independent thinking and non-censored speak. So call in and tell us what you what you think. Um, we have with us a former special agent and senior advisor at the U.S. Department of State, Ron Holloway, is with us. Ron, good morning. How are you? Good morning, sir. How are you? Ron, we, the, the, the majority of us can grasp inflation. We can get our arms around what groceries cost, what gas costs, um, and we know the body politic has printed money and created inflation, and we live that. But, but very often when something happens like what happened over the weekend in a land far, far away, we know enough to be dangerous. But the complications of the issue become very confusing. Um, we've had kind of an extensive debate on the air this morning about what we know, what we don't know, what we believe, what we don't believe. Um, how is this likely to play out? You've got the Gaza Strip and the Palestinians. You've got the Jewish state in Israel. You've got an attack on one that was responded by an attack on on the other. Is this a war? And, and how should we expect this to play out? Yes, this is a war. I mean, officially, it was a declaration of war. So it's not just a, an operation. This is full-on war, as we would understand it. Uh, how it plays out? Well, I'm going to first borrow from Donald Rumsfeld, and you kind of hit on it. Is there the known knowns, the known unknowns, and the unknown unknowns? So having a crystal ball kind of hard to do but some of the things to watch for or, or to understand really is this is much more complex than what you're seeing in that little strip of land there uh 
you know, I'm here in Texas, I'm a Texan. And the question is, will with the Palestinians and will this be their Alamo? Will it be a rally call for the extremist uh, elements, Islamic extremists to rally around? We have to remember that Al Qaeda is still out there. Would this maybe trigger them to go back and attack Saudi oil refineries? Uh, we're seeing other uh, actors around the world, kind of like the axis of evil almost. Uh, it's kind of kind of un- unsophisticated, but all speaking up. We're seeing a new alignment uh, in geopolitically. And uh, it's really hard to say, but what we can't say right now is we are in a Cold War. It's, and if we look at historical precedents, uh, it was major powers going against each other in proxy wars in smaller places, whether it was Russian invasion of Afghanistan and us uh, supporting Jihadi, or today, Russia and Ukraine, or uh, now Gaza and Israel. This, this, Israel. This, this may be an unfair question to ask you, but you're somebody who knows far more about this than I. If we back all the way to the beginning, I mean, if we try to find out where is the genesis of this great struggle, is it fair to ask, is the Muslim faith compatible with Western culture and society? Is that a fair premise or argument to have? Yeah, you can say that. I mean, I've got Muslims in my own family. You know what? He's a mechanic, and he loves country music. Uh, I wouldn't be too quick. And just like there are a million different denominations and beliefs of Christianity here, you've got a wide array of beliefs in the Muslim world. Uh, you know, not everyone's hellfire and brimstone. But but why have so many? Why do we believe? Maybe I'm wrong here. Why do we believe on Main Street USA that so many have been radicalized and will perpetrate acts of violence against Americans and their allies around the world? I think that you know, we always look at who's different than us and see them as a threat. And right now, coming out of 20 years of warfare uh, with that, you know, part of the world, um, that's a normal thing. But we also can't push the hate narrative uh, against those folks and realize, you know, at the end of the day, a dad wants to take his kids to school and let them eat, you know, keep them fed. And that's pretty much universal. And just as you know, Timothy McVeigh isn't representative of everybody on the right. Well, neither is Hamas representative of everybody, uh, you know, in the Muslim world. How did Israel let their guard down? I mean, they they, they, they were renowned for be, being top shelf on securing their borders and monitoring their threats. What, what happened? What do you believe happened that led them to not be successful at identifying this as a threat over the weekend? Well, you know, I, I think uh, a big part of it, being from the security world at the top levels, even the best, vigilance will wane over time if nothing happens. It's kind of hard to just keep looking, holding posts, and seeing nothing happen without your, you know, your vision getting a little blurry or getting distracted. So maybe their vigilance wanes some. A big part of it, I'm suspecting, is over-reliance on technology and under not enough resources in the human intelligence area. They didn't have the right boots on the ground uh, to actually see what was going on. Well explained. Ron, thank you for your time. Have a great day, sir.
You too. Bye. Let's um let's go back to the phone. Someone's there. Joe in Florence. Good morning, Joe. You're on. Uh, good morning. Um, I, I think one of the foundational problems is that Germany committed unthinkable crimes against the Jewish people. But instead of carving out some prime land out of Germany and creating Israel as a reparation for the Holocaust, we carved out land from the Palestinians and we punished the Palestinians for German crimes. It would be almost like if Canada and Mexico got together and said, you know, Americans, you guys really screwed over the Native Americans. We're going to give Manhattan back to the Native Americans, and we're going to make all the uh, the Americans live in the four boroughs in the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. You know, I, I, I think that no one is ever going to recognize the, the, the foundational mistake that was made to punish the Palestinians for German war crimes. And, and that's why I don't think the Palestinians are, are ever going to give up. And if, if you think of America first, I don't know that creating Israel where we created it is in the best interest of Americans, considering maybe some of the alternatives we could have done to give Israel a homeland. Uh, thanks very much. Thank you. One of the things that I read last night, I pulled it back up just now, actually kind of archived it. Um, we, we talked a little bit of allied powers, central powers, uh, the, the first world war in 1918. And then you had a league of nations that was established kind of the international organization charged with ensuring that we maintain space. Um, they formally approved the decision to have Great Britain act as Palestine's administrator. Now, now we're getting to the weeds here. And, and and if you really go back and look, according to the United Nations, the British mandate for Palestine was meant to be temporary, only lasting until the League, the League of Nations, recognized Palestine as a fully independent nation. That point was never reached. Why? I have no idea. Take a break. Back in a few. 843-661-0937. Our number. Let's go to the phone. Jacob in Florence. Good morning, Jacob. You are on the air. Yes, good morning. Um, good morning, guys. Um, I, I'll keep my comments brief. I just want to say I'm <clears throat> I'm completely heartbroken over the situation in Israel. And uh, the sad thing about it is it's always the innocent that pay the price of violence. Uh, we see that with, with babies, children, women that have nothing to do with this war, but it's sad. It's a sad reality. And it's, uh, <clears throat> it's also on both sides. You know, you see it on the Palestinian side. And that's not to say anything negative about Israel, because it's understandable that Israel has to defend its nation. All right. Uh, and this is, this is nothing new. It's been a struggle that's been going on for thousands of years. It's, it's always been a struggle between evil and good or good and evil. And um, what I, what I can say is that we, we just need to pray. We need to pray for uh, this situation. We need to hope that, that there, will be, um, there will be salvation for everyone because uh, this just can't keep going on. And, Ken, you, you would say that your listening audience is mostly Christian, right? Would, would you say that? I would imagine, yes. More than, more than half. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, this is the Bible Belt, right? 
So we're a majority Christian people. So we, we understand the importance of Israel in our history, right? I mean, that's something that, that we're taught in the Bible. It's not just some, some uh, obscure nation. This is very important for us. So, I mean, if we're a Christian people, we must be praying for the nation. A lot of uh, importance in that part of the world. And uh, I just pray that God's will be done and that good conquers evil. And, and I said I'd be brief. So I'll, uh, thank you for, for this moment, uh, Ken and team, and I pray for, for the best. Thank you. Appreciate that very thoughtful call. Um, I had a Jewish friend of mine text me yesterday, and we started talking about, you know, the, the show and the callers and the opinions. And, I mean, he knows that the majority of my listeners are, are our listeners, Rev, are, are Christian. Um, and he said, you know, you folks think you owe us more than you really do. You know, and I'm like, what do you mean by that? He's a bit sarcastic. And then uh, he'd be a smart ass in all honesty. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, it really does. I mean, it, it, it has a lot of religious connotations. Um, I mean, I, I was taught that in about 1000 BC, King David established Jerusalem, um, Jewish control over Jerusalem in about 1000 BC. And then I mean, the, 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 the city that matters very much in, in the Judeo Christian Muslim world for that matter. I mean, Judaism, Christianity, the Muslim faith, I mean, they all have strong ties to, to, um, to ancient Jerusalem. Um, and then, uh, I, what the the early fifteen hundreds? I think the Ottoman Empire gained control over Jerusalem for four or five hundred years. Um, I mean, it it the Ottoman Empire was a what largely Muslim empire. I mean, it, it's it's the majority of its members were uh, practicing the religion of of you know the Muslim faith or Islam, and they ruled um, the city for three or four hundred years. But there's always been a belief of Christians that Jerusalem is the kind of the epicenter. I mean, it, it's the Holy Land. I mean, you know, you said yesterday, uh, this is about land or people. It's about land and people. The Jewish people are God's chosen people, if you interpret the Bible as many Christians do. Um, Jerusalem is Holy Land, if you interpret uh, and you believe that in 1,000 B.C. or somewhere around 1,000 B.C., King David, um, you know, placed Jewish control over the city of, of Jerusalem. So, I mean, it is complicated. It's extremely complicated. And there's been wars and, and you know, I mean, debates and, and I mean, the, the Ottoman Empire was, what, 400 years? And, and I don't want to say it's official religion. I mean, I don't know if like NASCAR, the official cell phone carrier of NASCAR is, but I mean, the majority of people who were involved in the Ottoman Empire were, were Islamic. And they ruled the city for many, many, many years. So I think in fairness... Christianity, I mean, do we act like, you know, King David um, established your Jewish control over Jerusalem in about 1000 BC, and that's what it always has been about, you know, the rightful owner. And I, and I jokingly say, I don't know who should have a clean title and deed on Jerusalem, but it matters. It matters to people who practice uh, the faith of Judaism or Christianity or, or the Muslim faith. They're all strongly tied to an ancient and incredibly important and consequential city in world history. Let's go to the phone. Charles in Lamar, good morning. Good morning. Um, all this talk about Israeli apartheid, um, approximately 60%, and I'm driving, I can't look this up. Y'all can check my facts. 
approximately 60% of the population of Israel is not, is comprised of people who are not religious Jews. Only about 40% of the population of Israel is religious Jews. Uh, there's about another 40% who are secular Jews. There's about 15% who are Arab Muslims, and those Arab Muslims vote and also are in parliament or Knesset or whatever it's called over there as well. And then about 5% other religions, Christians and whatnot. So uh, somebody called yesterday and said that the state of Israel was a theocracy. It was kind of hard to be a theocracy when 40% of the population is is religious Jews. Um I have a friend in Darlington who, I'm just for, for lack of another word, I'm just going to say he's a Nazi. You know, he he uh, he complains about the Jews running the media, running the banks, and he believes that the Holocaust did occur, but it was less than a hundred thousand people, not six million. So we we have a little bit of education to do. To, to let the world know what the facts are, because some people see these facts, and uh, and as Larry said in his call earlier this morning, Larry and I used to work together. He taught me everything I know, by the way. Um, as Larry said this morning, sometimes it, it's strange, but you have to admit that you believe what is actually history. But anyway, I wanted to throw those few points out there and hope you all have a great day. Thank you, Charles. Appreciate that. Yeah, about 20% of the, the, the population of Israel is Arab, uh, Palestinian. Well, it's Arab. I mean, it's, uh, and, and Charles is right. There's a breakdown of the, um, the secular Jews and the religious Jews, and you've got, you've got the percentage of Arab population. That includes some of the Palestinians. But I think the non-Jewish population in Israel is about 20 to 22 or 3%. Now, that's a breakdown of the Jews. Jews believe different things. They're not a monolith. You've got secular Jews, and you've got... I mean, there's a small percentage of Jews. I, 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 my Jewish friends and I have this casual and quaint debate about our faith and our, you know, our values and our values are derived from our faith. And, and, and I, I joke around and say it this way with some degree of humor. Um, I mean, we're on the same team until it comes to Jesus. And that's kind of the fork in the road, the long-haired guy. I mean, imagine the long-haired guy being the center of controversy, but, but he is, and, uh, and the majority of Jews um, just don't believe Jesus was the Son of God. The Christian does. Uh, but the Judeo-Christian worldview is almost identical. I mean, it really and truly is. And I'm talking about our, our obligations to our fellow man, our responsibilities to be independent and, and provide. I mean, all these things that, that you believe in and I believe in, a lot of the Jewish, the, 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 the non-Christian Jew, because there's a small sect. I think they, it's Jews for Jesus. There's a small portion, small percentage of the Jewish people who believe that Jesus was uh, divine. He was, uh, you know, the son of God. Now, now we're kind of getting into, into Sunday school class here on Wake Up Carolina. I want to be careful there. But, but I, I, you know, the, the debate I've heard most of my life has been Jerusalem was founded and placed under Jewish control by King David, and that's the way it's supposed to be. I don't care if the Ottoman Empire ran it for 400 years. 400 years is a blip on the radar when it comes to God's timing, but I'm regurgitating some of the um, organized religion I consumed as a small kid. Take a break. Back in a few.
843-661-0937. Dr. Will Bolt, history chair, Francis Marion University is with us. That history chairmanship does not include the Middle East, correct? No, no that's I mean, it, out of my wheelhouse. Yeah. Your, your specialty is early American early history, American. but you're still worldly. And you're still, you're I, still I can, informed about, pass, yeah, about the world around us. Okay, let's do this. Sure thing. I want to drag you kicking and screaming uh, <laughs> over here with me for a second. Rev, jump in. Um, yeah. Bail me Josh, out. Josh, yeah. I'm going to help us too. Is it fair to say, I mean, obviously it's far more complicated than a sentence. But <laughs> but at the end of the day, Dr. Bolt, is the the centuries-long struggle, not not with Israel, because that's 1948, but is the yeah. is the centuries-long struggle about this land basically competing claims to the Holy Land? I think uh, you can kind of boil it down at just if you the most the, the lowest level if you wanted to go there. Uh, there had always been talk of a Jewish homeland going back to the for generations, but it picked up steam at the end of the 19th century. And guy by the name of Theodore Herzl kind of regarded as the, the founder of Israel, started getting the ball rolling, generated lots of support for it, uh, died in the early early 1900s, uh, died at a very young age, so wasn't able to see this come to fruition. And you talked about before the, the British mandate over this area of Palestine. And certainly for, for many individuals here in America and throughout the world, post-World War II, to sort of make amends for the Holocaust. It's like, what, what can we do? There had been this talk, so... Let's carve out uh, a nation state for you, and of course the the Arabs in the area turned out to be the big the big loser. And, and a series of wars were fought uh, long before I was born. Four wars, uh, the Israelis won two. Two of them were kind of a draw. We've had a basically a ceasefire ever since 1973. We've, we've kind of forgotten there have been flare-ups from time to time, and now all of a sudden we. When I left a couple of weeks ago, didn't think we'd be coming back. Uh, talking about this, I thought we'd be talking about the speakership and other things here in America, but this is certainly a, uh, a, a very important news story, and it's it, it, this is just the tip. This is going to escalate. It's going to get a whole lot worse, I would imagine, before it gets better. And and someone in America will have to decide what degree of involvement we are, yes. and, and oh, we yeah. seem to be more non-interventionist than we historically have been. I said this I morning— would, would I, I would, there, Israel seems to be the exception It does to that. I think you're right. Everybody's like, all right, we're— Right, right. Hands off. But there's sort of a, a sacred obligation that the United States feels towards Israel. And it cuts across both lines. What word did he just use? Sacred. I mean, that's the word I used yeah, yesterday. You did. Yeah. That, that there, there's some sacred nature. And maybe it goes back to, you know, the, the, the country being majority Christian and King David, you know, in 1000 B.C. and the Ottoman Empire. And, you know, but, but, but Jerusalem is a very consequential city. Yeah. To Judaism, Christianity, and the and the Muslim uh, faith, and and you know the two state solution. Good luck with that. That's kind of yeah. like a starting. I've always looked at the two state solution. This is going to be a lousy analogy. It's almost like I don't have a starting quarterback. I got two. Well, if you got two, you don't have any. Yeah. You know, you either got it's a starter, a or you don't. Um, so I got two starting quarterbacks. No, you don't. You really don't have any starting quarterbacks. And I just don't know how to ever right. convince the two sides that a two state solution. Well, guys, it's, it's amicable. Guys so much smarter than us have tried for 50 years to try and broker uh, a solution that works, and the smartest guys in the world can't figure it, it out. It never does work. Yeah. It never does yeah, hold just, or take, so to speak. Do we have a call? Let's go there. We do. Williams in Orangeburg listening to WTQS. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Hey, uh, Dr. Boat. Good morning, sir. Um, John Bano called. Called my man um, Jim Jordan 
a political terrorist. Do you believe that? I, th- I think there's a little bit of a, a history between the former speaker uh, and Jim Jordan, for sure. Uh, Jordan was the founder of the Freedom Caucus, uh, had allied himself with, with McCarthy very, very shrewdly. Uh, several individuals put him up to be speaker uh, in the last time, and Jordan said, no, 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 didn't want anything to do, didn't campaign for it. But no, again, he was the founder of the Freedom Caused, uh, held John Boehner, Paul Ryan, and other speakers accountable, has now really carved out a nice lane for himself, a nice niche, if you will, uh, as sort of the biggest thorn in, in Biden and the Democrats' side uh, as the head of oversight. And shoot, if you're the Democrats, you're almost like, well, let's, yeah, let's let him become speaker. That way he'll stop investigating us. But uh, get your popcorn ready. I think it's going to be fun to watch later this afternoon and tomorrow. Uh, who, who knows what's going to happen? There was only one candidate last time McCarthy it took him 15 ballots now you got two Scalise and Jordan so uh, yeah who knows what's going to happen and McCarthy's still kind of lurking in the wings as sort of a fallback guy so un- untried times for sure and just with what's going on in the Middle East uh, we need to get our own house in order rather quickly hey um if the Republican Party nominate Jim Jordan as the speaker of the house there's there's no more party because Jim Jordan was an insurrectionist. Is that correct? <laughs> well, a lot of it is is still coming out. I think they're trying to – he's kind of played dumb, uh, has refused to, to talk to the to the January 6th committee, and certainly he has that. He has that right. Uh, he, he may have some other problems. He's got some skeletons in his closet with the, the wrestling uh, at Ohio State. There's a lawsuit that's that recently went against his favor, so that might come out. I don't know if enough of the moderates are gonna are gonna go for him. If Scalise drops out, some of them might just vote for somebody else, vote for McCarthy instead. I think it's a the odds of it are slim, but but you never know, and so I wouldn't completely okay. discount him. Okay, uh, one more thing. Um, sure thing. Okay, in three years of being president, Biden has created over fourteen million jobs. Okay, I want to know who the last two presidents who had a recession during their time in the White House. I know it's 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 a good record. They're not. They're thank you, not, thank you, Williams. Appreciate yeah. the call. But they're probably not doing a good job messaging it. But again, all these jobs, everybody's like, well, look at how much more I'm paying for groceries. Look at how much more I'm paying at the pump. And and Biden, for all the good things he's done, he's just when you see him, there's just not that much energy. He's the people support it because of the alternative. They, they don't run their, they're not going to run their grandmother over to go out and vote for Joe Biden this time around. Again, if Trump is the nominee, then so many, since so many dislike, despise President Trump, they may come out. If it's somebody else, I think Biden's in a lot of trouble. Well, I mean, his, his numbers on the economy are abysmal. His numbers on immigration are abysmal. Um, I it, think it, the jobs report was mostly part-time jobs. Well, I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the jobs report, numbers, I mean, yeah. and, and you go to CNBC, I mean, you watch... CNN, I mean, those guys don't know what they're talking about in the jobs report. They have no clue. You go to CNBC, and they really break it down. And, and basically what it boiled down to was people taking extra jobs to afford groceries yeah. and gas. Second I, I got a full-time job. Now I got a, a second job. I'm working hustle, you know, 10 yeah. hours on the weekend to make enough money to buy groceries and gas. Mm-hmm. And that's why the market didn't respond. I mean, it was a – I mean, anytime the, mar- anytime the jobs number comes in that much higher than estimates, the market takes off. 
And the market didn't take off. I mean, it had a bit of a bump that day, but it didn't take off because, once again, the guys on CNBC and the ladies, they know how to break yeah. down a jobs report and find out the, the optimism. Yeah, and, and yeah, you can peel it back and really see what, what is in here. Um, I, I don't know how Williams gets to, um, and Boehner did. I mean, Boehner called Jim Jordan a political terrorist. Yeah. Um, we throw around the word terrorist and legend and iconic and all the, I mean, we just, we, we abuse words that shouldn't be used, but on rare occasions. Hamas and Hezbollah are terrorists. You know how I know? Because they'll tell you they are. They'll tell you that they're obligated to exterminate a ethnicity of people from the planet Earth. Calling Jim Jordan a terrorist, calling Jim Jordan a hardliner, and, and you can't tell him a damn thing, and he won't play team ball, fair enough. I mean, I think there's some of that warranted on Jim Jordan. He is a hardliner. Yeah. He is a stubborn SOB, but he's not a terrorist. And I think just you, you got to be careful yeah, throwing around the word. Term. And that's not Williams. I mean, that was John Boehner, and Williams was re, you know, kind of repeating what, what Boehner said. Let's go to the phone. Donnie and Camden, good morning. You're on the air. Uh, good morning, Ken, and everyone there. Morning. Ken, yesterday and today I've heard a lot of talk, you know, about the land, you know, Israel. And, and Ken, this goes all the way back to Genesis. You know, God made a covenant with Abraham that this would be their land. It will always belong to the Jews. He made the same covenant with Isaac and Jacob, his two sons. Israel and the Jewish people, this is God's chosen people. This is his land. He gave it to them through covenant, and it will always be their land. Now we know that the Jews were taken into captivity, slavery, and I guess you could say kind of done away with. At least it seemed that way. But the prophet Isaiah said, you know, will these bones live again? And they did. And he asked the questions, can a nation be born in a day? In May 14, 1948, a nation was born in a day. This is God's land. It will always be, and Israel will never be defeated. Thank you. Appreciate that. What if you don't believe in the Bible? I mean, believe it or not, there are people in the world that don't ascribe to, they don't adhere to the Bible. They don't believe the Bible is the word of God. They, they they believe the Bible is an important document that historically accounts for some of what happened in days gone by. Some believe it's a fairy tale. It's make-believe. It's it's phony baloney. I think we got to be real careful believing we can order the world to do certain things in certain ways just because we believe in the Bible. If everybody believed in the Bible, everybody would have a biblical worldview. Our biblical worldview competes with those who don't believe in the Bible. Is that fair, Dr. Bolt? Yeah, yeah no, you, you hit the nail on the head for sure out there but uh no the, the united states of america we, it's, it's sort of like ukraine we've been heavily involved with israel since the very very beginning right after the israeli state was proclaimed harry truman officially recognized uh the, the status of israel the united states was one of the very very first nations just a few minutes after it was proclaimed right out of the gate the united states were there and of course we've always had uh their backs we provided, provided them with intelligence military hardware as best we can. And, and like we said before, there is just a, a unique, a, a very special, again, a, a holy, a sacred obligation that the United States feels towards uh, the nation of Israel. If you have a biblical worldview. If you don't I, have maybe, a biblical yeah, worldview. But still, there is, I think it kind of cuts well, across just po- politically. It, well, I mean, I, I think culturally and yeah, politically uh, and economically. Dem- democracy. But, but the word you used was the word I used yesterday was sacred. Yeah. That's the biblical worldview. Yeah. That, I mean, I believe in Scripture. I believe in exactly what the previous caller said, but I've got to accept and acknowledge 
that there are Not millions of people in the world who don't believe uh, in yeah. that biblical worldview <laughs> and and the precedents that the Bible proclaimed as true. No, you, you kind of you kind of got me there. But I, I think there's just we have a relationships alliances with other countries. Israel is in a completely separate lane, at least the the way I wonder see it. what. And I don't know the answer to this. This would be interesting. Wonder what the non-believer thinks yeah. about Israel. Yeah, uh, you, you, you know, an atheist American. Wonder what an atheist American believes our relationship with Israel should be. Because I think it's 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 it's, it's indisputable, Doctor Bolt, that the majority of our motivations have been based on. This, this scriptural interpretation yeah. of what God said, what God yeah. did, what God proclaimed, and, and how we need to, in essence, I mean, this is weird to say a government honoring God, but I think many Christians believe that the honorable thing for our government to do is to adhere to scripture yeah. in basing its foreign policy yeah. decisions. And, and I just think that's, mm. I mean, that's, that's complicated. Yeah, and Andy, you, you, like I said, you got but there's just there's something different. I think, in, ter- in terms of the political calculus and our diplomacy, our foreign policy, than when it comes to, to Israel. Is it because of the oil? So, I mean, they, they would be our military outpost there's, there's e- in policing the Strait of Hormuz, where the majority of oil flows back and forth. There's, it, 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 there's a lot of economics involved, too. But there is just this, this special connection, and maybe it's this lingering guilt for not doing enough. And so when you hear the, the stories, the reports that more Jewish people have been killed these last couple of days— since the Holocaust, it really puts things into perspective. And so certainly the United States, uh, we're not going to allow this to continue on our watch. We're going to do everything we can uh, to support them, I'm sure of it. Fair enough. We'll take a break. We'll be back. Got a caller? Hang on there, caller. We'll get back with you in just a couple of minutes. 843-661-0937 is our number. A couple of callers are there. Dr. Will Bolt, History Chair, Francis Marion University. We're not talking early American history. We're talking about world history, current affairs, he obviously has an informed and educated opinion regarding that. Um, let's go to the phone. Someone's there. Breeze, good morning. You are on the air. Hey, guys. Morning. I may not be articulating this correctly, but this isn't my main point. But, yeah, people keep talking about the Jews being God's chosen people. Well, before Jesus got there and even after Jesus was there, they thought just by being Jewish, that was their automatic free pass into heaven. All they had to do, since they were God's chosen people, is be Jewish and um you know, and just follow the uh, follow the laws that uh, the Moses and Abraham and that, that crowd. You know, and they were and they were set. Well, Jesus formed a new covenant, and so now I would argue we are all God's chosen people. Not and, and the Jews by not accepting Jesus. If you're a Christian, the Jews are not going to heaven. If you believe, if you're a Christian, now you know the Jews believe otherwise, and they still believe because they're Jewish. They're the only ones going to heaven. And, of course, the Muslims have their beliefs. But anyway, that's not the point of me calling. What I'm telling y'all right now is I think that there's, this is not as simple as we make it out to be, just bad Hamas attacking good East Israel. Yeah, there's that. But let me ask you this. I didn't go to the war college, you know, to be a general or anything. But out of the millions and millions, and kid you harped on this yesterday, out of the millions and millions and millions of people that were intentionally, not accidentally, but intentionally led through, there's not one general at the Pentagon, not one person in Washington, not one single person, because Biden is not running anything, and he has not done anything good. He has no intention of doing anything good. And for that matter, neither do the Republicans, I believe. But there's not one person think that out of millions and millions of people that have come through our borders intentionally led through, that maybe there could be a couple of thousand 
daggone bad guys. By that, I mean Islamic terrorists that can form a paramilitary group. Now, what would we going to do right now if these thousands of people, which I am certain are in this country, and not to mention the ones you see in all of these Democrat cities and states, they're out there protesting in, in defense of Hamas. What are we going to do when those guys grab shotguns or start blowing up cars and start attacking us in the homeland? You know, while we're sitting there, and all of this is part of a master plan, and everybody can roll their eyes when I'm telling you this is not isolated. It's a master plan, and we have, there's an army of Islamic terrorists and probably some Chinese and Russians thrown in for good measure, North Koreans, that have all crossed that border, intentionally led in by our government, and the Republicans can say what they want. They work, they, they, they talk in a good game, but they ain't doing nothing. So what are we going to do when they start attacking us on our, our own home ground? And then they start telling us, what are we going to do if they take on, if they go three or 400 Americans hostage and start saying they'll start killing an American every day unless we then go withdraw our support for Israel? I'm telling you guys that all this stuff has been done on purpose, fellas. And you hear people talking about, well, I stand for Israel. What the hell does that mean? Do you stand for Israel? Does that mean that you're going to send your kid? I'm about said, my kids over there, are you going to send your kids over there to fight? Are you going to fight? I stand for the Ukraine. Are you going to send your kids over to the Ukraine to fight? Are you going over there to fight? Hell, half the people in this America, never, in America can't, couldn't, you know, they couldn't get hit with a Q-tip. So I don't know what the hell they're talking about. But I'm telling you right now, we may be forced to fight right here on our old soil, It'd be like a Chuck Norris movie invasion USA, but the problem is we ain't got those Chuck Norrises out there. So, Thank you, Breeze. Well, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm going to go back to the, the word you used was sacred, uh, and and I used that word yesterday about our our allegiance to Israel. So let's break that down for a second, Doctor Bolt. Here's what I believe, and you tell me if I'm off base or not. All right. And we're not talking early American history, but you've got an opinion here. You got an informed, an educated opinion. So I believe it's just informed his mind. I mean, we're, we're debating these issues as they, as they arise. So I do believe that Russia is an expansionist nation. I think Putin is a ruthless dictator, but it's about power in the traditional sense. Um, I don't know that it eventually impacts or affects America. Let's hypothetically say some peace treaty is signed two years from now and Crimea becomes, or excuse me, Ukraine agrees to give up some region of its sovereign right. nation just to stop the bloodshed, right. to stop the killing. Um, That's you know, game probably. Ca- call yeah. it retreat, call it call it whatever you call it. But people are tired of dying right. in, in Russia and Ukraine, sure. fighting cheap. for a part of the world. But here's where Breeze is, is barking up the right tree, I think. There is a mass influx of people that we know nothing about in our southern yeah. border. The majority of those people are probably coming to pick strawberries and 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 put out pine straw. But there are some that aren't. And, and there are some, and I don't know what the percentage is, and I don't know if they're Palestinian or not, but but their history will, will tell us that that people, when given opportunity, will take advantage for malicious uh, reasons. So Breeze is, is on to something here. What happens when these super sales become fully manned? Well, and, and there is this, and once again, Ukraine, Russia is war in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. The hatred of Israel, another level. It, it is, and it and it and it kind of corresponds to a hatred of America. We, we are the creators of Israel, as far as they're concerned, yeah. the enablers, they're, they're, the they're defenders. Yeah. Sure, 
So, so I mean, do, do you agree with Breeze that not securing the southern border has made us unbelievably vulnerable sure. to an attack similar to what Israel's dealing I, with? I, I think it can happen, and I think our hope is that we have the the individuals looking at the intelligence are going to do a better job. And I'm certain this is. I mean, this is no. This this is the lead news story. This is a colossal failure of intelligence, but by multiple agencies, multiple nations were asleep at the switch, or maybe you tip your hat to the to the terrorists that they kept this under wraps and really just only a few individuals knew about it. But certainly, I'm sure in retrospect, there were probably missed signs, missing. Certainly, you go back to 9-11. So, and I'm sure what's going to come out of this is sort of how we analyze and look at the intelligence, just like we did post 9-11. There's going to be sort of a, a reanalysis of this, and the old models are going to get scrapped. And so hopefully that it's sad, but there some good a learning experience will come out of this, particularly here at home, because as, as Breeze's point, certainly the odds of everybody being just a peaceful individual crossing the border, it, it, it's slim to none. There's probably some who knows what percentage, but are are going to try and slip across the border and are have evil in their hearts, unfortunately. So why would those in charge of securing the border not secure the border? Yeah. That that's that, I mean, I understand a, a lot of what does and does not happen in American politics, and I could argue you know, corporate America wants to create an imbalance in the unskilled labor and, you know, the, the, uh, s- some of the unskilled laborers are demanding too much compensation and they want to get that back into balance, um, take advantage of people as, and their lack of education, their inability to qualify for certain jobs. I mean, I, I, I don't doubt that. I mean, I think corporate America's out to make money and creating an, Im- an imbalance of unskilled labor allows them to work people for a cheaper wage. We're, we're, we're moving on this issue though. Biden, the Democrat, is now authorizing construction of the wall. But but I think the yeah, political expediency, I mean, he, he sees now how and much trouble he's in. What, I mean, politically, what, northern mayors up in industrial cities sure. are, are now saying, we're getting, we, we've got problems. I mean, he, his this friends is and allies are knocking on his door <laughs> saying, hey, man, you got to stop this. I mean, there, there are too many people coming across our southern right. border. But but it, it, it should keep us all up at night. How yeah. many unknown elements are in this country that wish to bring harm to the good old U.S. of A. I mean, if you believe that everybody crossing uh, that border is coming to pick strawberries and put out pine straw, we'll we'll get exactly what we deserve one of these days. Take a break. Back in a few. This is just another Tuesday morning for Rev and I. It is the day of the week that Bolt puts his reputation and career in jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) He risks his good name. He keeps coming back. The things I do. And he showed us a note from his gas supplier. The guy puts gas Mm -hmm. in his in his house or in his tank or whatever, and he says, "Enjoy your commentary on Tuesday morning." Nice gesture. Appreciate it. Listeners are everywhere. We we don't. Rev and I have listeners, and we Mm -hmm. have groupies. Mm -hmm. So so if you continue down this track. Eventually, Stick with us, yeah, yeah. we'll make you a nobody. Yeah. Yeah, we'll make you a nobody, as we are. <laughs> Let's go to the phone. Someone's there. Here's Tony in Hartsville. Good morning, Tony. You're on the air with Dr. Bolt. Good morning. Thank you so much. I hope you gentlemen have a blessed day. Thank you, sir. Just wanted to ask a question. Um, did or did not God tell the world to go ahead and destroy them when they had time, but they didn't do it? Take your answer off air. Have a blessed one. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate that. Um, not sure where he was headed there. Uh, what, what did he say? Yeah, what, what did, I'm, I'm, I didn't understand what he said. Did he say destroy them or? But but you would agree, Doctor Bolt, that the majority of people in America that perceive Israel to be different than Ukraine yeah. is is the majority of people in America profess to be Christians, and they profess to have a biblical worldview. I doubt yeah. very many people 
truly understand. I mean, how many of you knew that Jerusalem was ruled by the Ottoman Empire Going from the mid fifteen, the early 1500s to the early 19, or the early 15th century or 16th century to the early, uh, well, I mean, from 1520 to 19 or 1820 or whenever, whatever. Whenever it collapsed, and, and the, the British took the, over. the Second World War, I mean, the British and French get together and say, you know, okay, um, let's begin. I mean, it's conquest. I mean, yeah, that's what right. it is. It's, uh, you know, well, you, belong to spoils. you gain control of land by by conquest. Did you win. The, the majority, and I don't want to say it's ignorant. I, I'm certainly not insulting anybody, but but the majority of loyalty that, that most Americans have to Israel is based on some sacredness. Yeah, we we do feel a, a connection there because of King David, because of the biblical worldview right. that many Americans ascribe to. They're a, a democracy in an area that, there are very few democracies in a very similar type of government. Uh, and, and again, there's lots of Americans feel have emotional uh, familial ties uh, to over. And again, we've, we've said it before. There is a sort of a, a sense of guilt that we, we, we messed up during, during World War II, didn't do enough to stop the Holocaust, didn't get in there soon enough. And this would is a way. Would we have gotten in? Here's an interesting question. Would we have sat idly by? Had the Japanese not attacked Pearl Harbor? Eventually. Roosevelt was kind of getting us ready. It wasn't a matter of if, but but when. And so, I mean, Roosevelt had the clairvoyance. He realized, you know, the, the old saying, right, you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to ask for a glass of milk. Hitler and the Nazis were on the move. It was only a matter of time. Uh, Britain, once Britain, if Britain were to fall, they're going to be knocking on our door before long. So we, we would have been involved one way or the other. What do you make of the academic debate that FDR may have been, uh, or Roosevelt may have right. been anti-Semitic. I don't, I don't know about that. I think there was. But you would agree there's a debate there. there should, oh, sure. sure. And I, I think there's, Roosevelt had intel, or an idea of what was going on. In, but in Roosevelt's opinion was, if we win the war, that accomplishes that goal. And so like diverting resources, troops to these area, this is going to make winning the war. It's going to drag it on for another few, few more weeks or months. We deliver the knockout blow, then whatever is happening in Europe to the Jews, it will stop. And so I think that was his, his he was just a tunnel vision, win the war, and then everything else sorts itself after that. Why did he wait as long as he did? Because he was somewhat of a non-interventionist? Is that fair to say? He ascribed to the notions of our founders? No, I, old habits die hard. But Roosevelt was, again, just getting us on a war footing. And again, by the time... In 1940, when the world, world War II has started, we've said this before, uh, our, our military, we had the 18th largest army in the world. Most of our equipment is left over from World War I. And this is Roosevelt's finest hour, I would say. It's not getting us out of the, the Great Depression. It's getting us ready, yeah. installing a peacetime draft for the first time in our nation's history, You know, starting the construction of warships, tanks. And so, again, for when that moment finally did come, uh, it was a very, very easy, a smooth transition for the United States. And so uh, once the United States got involved, the Nazis had counted on the fact that it was going to take us six months, well, a couple of weeks, right? We already had troops over in North Africa fighting alongside uh, the British. And so that's FDR's finest hour, I always argue. This is weird to say in a moment of war and peril and, and human destruction, but is it likely that Americans begin paying far less attention to Ukraine and yeah. far more attention to the um uh, the, the confrontation yeah, we, in in Israel, I I think you're right. Ukraine's going to get pushed years ago. We'd say to, to to the back pages. This is just going to be kind of yeah. We're we're not going to be focusing as much attention on it. Uh, it kind of got buried in the recent agreement 
uh, in Congress uh, when the, the lack of Ukraine aid. And I don't think right, it's going to be a, a major topic of discussion moving forward, at least compared to what it was before. And a lot of our energy resources that might have gone to Ukraine will be diverted to Israel at this point. So right there, the big losers. Is, is the two-state solution a pop dream? Right. I mean, we said for guys smarter than us have been grappling with this for 50 years and can't can't figure it out. And so, yeah, I don't know what the what the end game is in America. Right? We like to compromise. You get a little bit of this. We make some concessions. Yeah, I don't know exactly what you could do that would make both sides. And certainly any Israeli politician who agrees for the partitioning of Jerusalem, that's political suicide. You certainly cannot cannot go down that road. So what's the what's the middle ground? How do you appease or keep both sides happy? Nobody's been able to figure that out yet, and who knows if they ever will. Is it fair to speculate that Netanyahu will try to completely and totally destroy Hamas inside the Gaza Strip? I think based on the at least the public statements, what he's saying, then yes, the, they're going to feel the hard hand of war. This is a guy who's got some political troubles, and this gives him maybe a new lease on life. If he can kind of weather the storm for getting caught with their pants down, and again, the, the, throughout their history, the the Israelis, the Jews, they don't suffer any fools. You, know, you come after them, they they hit back and they hit back hard. And so I think that this is a long, long time. The Mossad, uh, the the secret intelligence, the agency for over there in Israel, they're not going to forget about this. And anybody out there who is involved in taking hostages, if there's pictures, I'm going to watch your back for the rest of your life. And and I read yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, the Lucid or Lucid Party. I mean, yeah, the only okay. way he can govern in a majority is to collaborate or basically um, join up with the right-wingers. Right. I mean, they're, they're even more hardliners than, than Netanyahu <laughs> is. So so there is no opportunity for Netanyahu to reach out to some of the, um, I guess, I, I would equivalently would be conservative and liberal. He would have to go a more conservative route to yeah, create yeah, yeah. A, a ruling majority. He doesn't have the ruling majority with his party and party alone. Yet. He's got to um, kind of cobble mm-hmm. together factions. And most people believe the best way for him to get there is to reach out to some of the even more hardliners right. And um, and that leads me to believe that this could be a very vicious, yeah. vicious period of time. I would imagine uh, you're in, right. In, in if, I, if I had to bet money, that's what I would bet on. Yeah, and, the, um, the worst is yet to come. Do you care to speculate on what you think America's involvement eventually will be? I think there will be sort of share, sharing of intelligence and just uh, supplying materials moving forward. A lot of it I don't think is going to be very public. We certainly don't want to – we don't want to stir up a hornet's nest, and we certainly don't want this to, to escalate – for sure. But no, I'm sure through all sorts of back channels and stuff that we're not going to know about, stuff that we won't read about for five, ten years from now, I'm sure will be. And there might be some special ops sort of off the books maybe uh, involved as well. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure we're already, uh, the, the phones are, are a buzzing in Washington and in, in Jerusalem. Well explained. Dr. Will Bolt, History Chair, Francis Marion University. Rocket is Tennessee Volunteer <laughs> shirt today. I would say something about the Buffalo Bills, yeah. but... Ah. Early Sunday morning in London. Jet lag. That was bad. Rough Sunday morning. Yeah, it didn't go so well. Bad I'll tell one. you, the AFC has a lot of young, good quarterbacks. They're all it's, they're I mean, stoked, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the AFC's mm-hmm. got one after the other after the other. Really it's a, it's good. a gauntlet. Yeah, really good young quarterbacks. Take a break. Thank you, Dr. Ball. Good stuff, guys. Have a good week. Take Thank a break. You. Back in a few. 843-661-0937. We've spent about seven hours trying to better understand and explain to one another, and I, and I want to really appreciate our phone callers. I mean, you guys have demonstrated exceptional acumen when it comes to things that we don't routinely cover nor care about. I said earlier, and I'll say again, uh, all of us have an opinion on inflation. We understand inflation. You know why? We buy gas and groceries. 
We, we understand education, proficiency scores dictate whether we're good at it or not. But but when you start talking about foreign policy and you start talking about, you know, the Jewish state in 1948 and the Ottoman Empire and Hamas and Hezbollah and the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, most of us say, look, man, I have a first grade education and understanding of these issues, but, but I understand it matters. I understand it's very consequential in today's world. I just don't understand it. And it's hard to offer up opinions on things that I fundamentally don't understand. Now, some of us are arrogant enough to say, well, I can cram and understand it in a night or two or three. And that's unfair to the debate. Fox News Radio's Evan Brown is in Miami. He's with us this morning. Evan, good morning. How are you? Good morning. So what is the latest and what sort of U.S. response can we expect in relating to the Israeli-Hamas, I guess, war now? So the, the latest, uh, uh, here's something that's rather breaking here in the past 20 minutes or so. Uh, the uh, Hamas, through one of its uh, affiliated Telegram accounts, uh, has made a warning to the residents of the Israeli city of Ashkelon, which is near Gaza, telling them to evacuate by 5 p.m., uh, which is very odd and out of character for Hamas. They normally don't give warnings about anything. So... Uh, not really sure what to make of that. Uh, the Israelis have not commented on that yet, so uh, don't have much else to talk about that. Um, Israel, however, continues its airstrikes in Gaza. They are are in the sort of the shock and awe sort of phase of this right now. The airstrikes have been uh, rather proficient and uh, quite destructive, and uh, there have been a number of uh, people killed in Gaza so far over the past 24 hours. Uh, hundreds of people, really. A lot of them are believed to be terrorists, uh, people who have actively taken up arms against the Jewish state, uh, people who would have tried to have done the things that uh, we've seen done in the past few days. Israel also reports that they have counted 1,500 or so terrorist bodies that have been killed inside the state of Israel uh, in, the te- in the southern part of the country where they have been fighting them to try to retake uh, uh, these towns that they had lost control of over the past few days. Uh, with regard to what the Americans will do, so far the Americans have directed uh, uh, the carrier strike force group from uh, the with the Jerry Ford aircraft carrier to the Mediterranean coast. Uh, carrier strike groups are not just a carrier that's fully stocked with fire, fighter jets, but also uh, usually some missile uh, cruisers and destroyers, uh, submarines and the like. Uh, and so uh, that is a, a pretty big display of some pretty impressive firepower. Uh, that is there probably not to be used against Gaza, but to deter Iran and Syria, maybe also Hezbollah and Lebanon. Uh, that is to say that uh, if they try to take advantage of the preoccupation of Israel's military right now, uh, they could face consequences from getting some intense firepower from the United States. Britain, France, uh, have uh, Poland, uh, have uh, Germany, I believe, have also uh, uh, pledge support. Usually this is in the way of money, armaments, and intelligence sharing. Uh, the EU as a whole yesterday said that they would uh, suspend all aid to the Palestinians, uh, and then Ireland uh, vetoed that. Uh, Ireland uh, has not had very good relationship with uh, Israel over the years, and they have often taken up Palestinian causes, and so uh, they have used whatever political power they have within the EU to, to change or, or pause that decision to, to stop the aid to the Palestinian uh, territories. Uh, and that's kind of where we're at. The, uh, the Israeli army is mobilizing for what will likely be a ground incursion into Gaza. 
Hundreds of thousands of Israelis have stepped forward saying they will uh, they will come when called up as part of their reserve military duty. Uh, if you recall, during earlier this year, there have been months of protests over proposed judicial reforms uh, uh, desired by the, the uh, prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, with a lot of reservists supposedly claiming through the media whether or not this was, you know, uh, Amplified by the media is hard to tell, but that they would not uh, they would not serve if called up for reserve duty for any reason. That has not come to pass. Uh, they are uh, responding in droves. There are also volunteers who are agreeing to be the sentries in their towns and communities. And the Israeli government is handing out 10,000 rifles to those people. Evan, this may be anecdotal, but the majority of our listeners have been very supportive of America doing something here and they weren't with Ukraine. They were a bit passive on Ukraine. I don't know that our safety and security are in play here. That that anecdotal, I guess, phone call universe that we deal with every morning does seem to reflect some of the consensus of our elected officials who, who their recent tweets about Ukraine were no more money for Ukraine, but now we must involve ourselves in whatever way, shape, or form to support Israel is that a fair analysis that, that, you know, maybe the callers to our show aren't anecdotal because it reflects so, some of the change of, of opinion regarding Ukraine and now Israel? So I, I think there's a couple of things at play here. One, uh, this involves Iran, which is very much a threat to the civilized world. Uh, and uh, uh, anything that empowers or emboldens Iran is certainly bad for the United States or any and all American interests everywhere. Uh, Iran is something is a country that puts whatever money it has towards developing weapons of mass destruction and funding proxy terror states and, and terror organizations around the world. And if you think our uh, our porous border has been immune to that, uh, you 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 should perhaps maybe rethink that. That's a part and parcel number one. The other part is is that our our nation is a very religious nation. It is predominantly Christian of various persuasions. And there is an affinity for the Holy Land. The Holy Land is Israel. Uh, and so there is, I think, a, an innate concern among a lot of people for the well-being of the Holy Land. And I want to, you know, we, we throw uh, names of regions around pretty easily here. We say Gaza. We talk about Israeli cities like Ashkelon and Ashdod, uh, more famous ones, Tel Aviv, and of course, Jerusalem. Uh, but if you've been watching or reading this over the past few days, you know that there has been missile fire from uh, from Lebanon into what is being termed northern Israel. You say northern Israel, you think, okay, it's the north end of the country. It's the Galilee. Wow. It's the Galilee. So uh, northern Israel is where the, the so-called Sea of Galilee, what the Israelis call in Hebrew Kinneret, uh, what is known in the Arab world as Lake Tiberias. Uh, not far from that is Nazareth. Right off the the, the Kinneret, right off this, the Galilee Sea, is um, is the Mount of Beatitudes, where the Sermon on the Mount was traditionally believed to have been given. So I, I think for a lot of people, they hear of war in Ukraine and they think of a nation that has a mixed history uh, and has its own problems, and uh, and now there's there's questions about its own corruption and, and involvement in certain American political families. But when I think most Americans think of Israel, they think of the Holy Land, uh, and that uh, that kind of tugs a bit in a, in a much different way. Evan, I mean, you're always a great guest. You exceeded your greatness on this appearance. Thank you very much for that informative and enlightening, um, I mean, a really a historical analysis of, 
of, uh, of what's happening in a place of the world that we don't know much about but are very interested in. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That was a great, great, great Excellent. job. Uh, I mean, that, that yeah, that, that's uh, – I'm going to try and private message Eben to find out why he has such a keen interest in that uh, in that part of the world in this particular situation. Obviously knowledgeable. I mean, unbelievably mm-hmm. astute at what's happening and why and where and when. I mean, one of the most provocative things Evans ever said on this show was Iran is a threat to the civilized world. Wow. Iran is a threat to the civilized world. Um, does Fox News let that – you see where I'm headed. I mean, he's an employee of Fox News, and very often you let your guard down when you're appearing on a kind of a no-holes-barred conservative talk radio. Um, but I mean, Evan just basically said that Iran is a threat, an existential threat to the, uh, what, what, what word did he use to the civilized world? Mm-hmm. I think is what he yeah. said. Wow. And when, but I mean, Iran is on record, so, you know, death no, to America. No, no. See, see, that, that, I was about to say that. And, and you and I just talked about this. Yep. Iran is not on the record. Iran is a bunch of Iranians. Some Iranians, and that's what you said a second ago that's so true. You know, the Palestinians voted for. But but, but why? I mean, why, why, why are the Iranians? Is that fair? I yeah. mean, the, you know, the Chinese, the Russians. Well, I mean, Bree said earlier, went to school with some Iranians. They were good dudes. But Iran is the legitimate threat to the civilized world. Does that mean all Iranians? It, it, that, that's where I grapple. That's where I struggle. Um, I mean, I believe that Hamas and Hezbollah are dangerous, unbelievably dangerous, but, but I can't buy that every Palestinian is evil. I just can't go there. I can't believe that every single Iranian is a threat to the civilized world. And, and I don't know how those governments work. I mean, I don't have any idea, Rev, as we said earlier. I mean, Josh, if somebody shows up with a ballot and a machine gun and says, Josh, you ready to vote? Yeah. Hamas or not? I mean, what do you <laughs> how, do? How do you want me to vote? Yeah. Well, what do you do, Josh? Uh, I, I'd ask, uh, what are Ornott's political policies? Well, I mean, you know what I'd do? I'd say, what am I signing for a right. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, it's self-preservation. You live to fight another day. You, you convince yourself that, yeah, that was a very immoral thing. I did, but I'll get my family out of here yeah, in, in six choice. months or a year. Sure. You don't have a choice. I mean, they've proven to be brutal, subhuman. I mean, barbaric. And they're knocking on your door. That's what we can't. I mean, we can contemplate, but we don't know what it's like to be an Iranian living under that regime or to be a Palestinian living in Gaza or living in Hezbollah, I mean, under control of of, um, of Hamas or Hezbollah. We don't know what that's like. We don't have any idea what that's like. And, and you know, I've read enough to, to be dangerous about apartheid and occupation and the great debate. I mean, I think I have a historical understanding. Uh, I've always known that King David in about 1000 B.C., basically placed Jerusalem under Jewish rule. I mean, I, I knew that, but I didn't know the Ottoman Empire controlled Jerusalem for 400 years, and I mean, the, the majority of people of the Ottoman Empire were practicing Muslim. I mean, I knew that Jerusalem was a city celebrated and revered by people who call themselves Muslims, Christians, and Jews. I mean, I knew that, but now we're kind of getting in the weeds a bit, and we find out there's uh, more to the story. The rest of the story is, um, what's his name? Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey famously said, but, um, but, but we, it, it's kind of interesting, but one of these situations occur 
I am, I, I'm not thankful for it. I mean, I would never in a million years say I'm thankful for anything like this, but it does make me better. I mean, it makes me turn the television on mute and start reading and trying to discerning and better understanding. And you got to be careful on Google because it's Al Jazeera and it's the American Foreign Policy Council. And it's, you know, it's, it's, everybody has a, an agenda. Al Jazeera wants you to believe this about the Palestinian uh, Jewish conflict. Um, the American Foreign Policy Council wants you to believe something else. Um, the Anti-Defamation League wants you to believe something, you know, everybody's motivated by an agenda. And, and the majority of their agenda is, is based on their interpretation of history. I mean, history is what history is, but our interpretation of history. Who threw the first punch? I mean, you've heard that. I mean, who started the fight? Um, all, all I know is, and, and maybe this is, you know, my having trust or faith in things that I should have had trust and faith in. But I was told as a young kid, not a young kid, but a young adult, that King David, you know, was the, um, was the original founder. I mean, he was the OG of Jerusalem. And, and then, you know, we, we had all these territorial disputes and, and religious battles and warfare became very involved in that. And, and at some point in time, this great dynasty called the Ottoman Empire gained control. I didn't know what percentage of people who were under the rule of the Ottoman Empire practiced Muslim as their faith. Did you, Josh? I mean, I had no idea about that. I mean, I'd heard of the Ottoman Empire. I knew a little bit about the Ottoman Empire. I didn't know the majority of Ottoman imperialists practiced Muslim as their, um, as their faith of choice. I didn't, I didn't know that. I do now. So with the weirdest way imaginable, I'm not happy anything like this happens, but it forces me to try and understand, you know, the historical nature and, and how many complexities there are that, that are involved in this, you know, not so simple story. It's not, uh, it's not something you can easily explain on Twitter. And, and I kind of agree with you with uh, breeze. When he said, I stand with Ukraine, you ready? What the hell does that mean? I mean, I stand with Ukraine. I stand with Israel. You know, I mean, I, I stand against terrorism. I, I stand solidly against terrorism, but but I stand with Ukraine. I, I just remember in those days, I'm like, wow, I stand with Israel. Do you know what you're standing for? Do you know who you're standing with? Do you have under, any understanding at all of the historical nature and how complicated the situation really and truly is? Uh, probably not. Take a break. Back in a few. 843-661-0937. Someone's on the phone. Let's go there. Ashley in Poston's Corner. Good morning, Ashley. Uh, good morning, fellas. Uh, interesting show this morning. Great topics. Uh, great debate. Great callers. Uh, just really uh, awesome show. Um, I did want to say I've seen multiple attacks over the years on Israel uh, through Hamas. <clears throat> They, they. It's never been like this. I think this is a different instance. I think this is a Israel's 9/11 moment. Uh, I've never heard Israel say we are at war. I've heard them say we have, we will snuff out Hamas. They're terrorists. Da 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 da. I think this is Israel's 9/11 moment, and I'll take it off the air. Phil. Thank you, Ashley. I'll go a step further. I think it's. I think it's more. It more resembles the Holocaust than it does a 9-11 terrorist act. And, and, and by that, I mean intentionally targeting and rounding up innocent Jews 
and killing them in the most horrific way imaginable. I'm not saying it's Holocaust 2.0. And I'm, I'm, once again, guys, I'm not historically informed enough to go too far down that road. But, but when, I, when, I, when I picture the Holocaust, I picture Nazi soldiers rounding up Jews, placing them uh, you know, in, in, in ways that allow them to be sent to Auschwitz and some other concentration camps and orderly and routinely murdered. Gas chambers and firing squads and execution teams. I mean, what's different? I mean, I, I've watched, but it's hard for me to watch. But I watched some of the video and, and, and some of the barbaric and inhumane. I mean, the word I used this morning, subhuman. I mean, how, what, what, how can a, I mean, I understand you don't like people. I understand, okay, the Palestinians don't care much for the Jews. The Jews don't care much for the Palestinians. Gamecocks don't care much for Tigers. Tigers don't care much for Gamecocks. Uh, Cowboys don't care much for Redskins. You see where I'm headed. I mean, there, there, there's always been tribalism in the world. There's always been competition. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, I don't like this group and you don't like that group and we're trying to win and they're trying to win. But this is, I mean, this was different. I mean, I've never seen, I mean, I, I've seen military endeavors. I've seen terrorists use military weaponry that they got their hands on some way, somehow, but it never intentionally targeted innocent people. I mean, they, they, they targeted a youth festival, a music festival right. as the place to kind of launch the offensive. I mean, there's a reason they did that. So, so yes, I mean, I think this may be Israel's nine 11 moment, but it more reminds me of what I've read and try to better understand about the Holocaust, hunting people down like animals and killing people because they're a certain ethnicity in the most barbaric way imaginable. How does that not remind you? of the Holocaust. Let's go to the phone. Jim in Florence. Good morning, Jim. You're on. Hey, good morning, guys. So, Ken, yesterday you talked about um, basically how our house being in a financial disarray could be the preface of getting us into war or not getting us into war, and you talked about those dynamics. But the problem is, is um, who's, going to, who's going to fight the war for the U.S. government? Um, They've spent the last, what, three or four years completely demonizing the white male. And the white male makes up um, predominantly your, um, your infantry ranks and your special forces. Um, we've got to have a serious conversation about the demonization of the young white male. Now, they'll all tell you, you know, the, the Millies and all these will tell you, oh, well, the youth today is just too fat, so they can't go fight. That's why we can't recruit. And you all believe it, but that's not the case. The case is they can't recruit because they've told every young white male in this country, you're a racist, you're a white supremacist, you're an awful human being. So that young white male doesn't want to stand up and fight for this, this government. Um, so we've got to have a serious conversation about that uh, because we can't fight a war right now um, because of that uh, issue alone about the demonization of the white male. Um, but what else can we learn from this issue on October 7th? Um, I think the issue of gun control died October 7th, 2023, um, because would people have still died in Israel uh, if they would have had uh, access to uh, weapons uh, like we do in this country? Yes, people still would have died, but you wouldn't have had total villages wiped out, um, total families wiped out. They would have been able to put up a fight. So I would encourage, if you don't own an AR-15, go buy one. 
if you already own one, go buy more ammunition um, because we have got to put weapons of war in the hands of citizens in this country to protect ourselves. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that. There, there's, I mean, if, if Hamas comes after you and your family, odds are they're going to kill you. I mean, if they've identified you as a target, odds are they're going to kill you. But you can put up a lot more resistance if you're armed. I mean, if you're armed, your family understands how to defend themselves. You've got guns. You've got ammunition. I mean, yes. I mean, I, uh, Jim nailed it. You're still more likely than not going to die. You versus Hamas is a mismatch. You lose that. But, but you are able to defend yourself far more adequately than you are with a broom handle or a, or a knife you pull out of the steak drawer. I mean, that, that's, you know, th- there's no doubt about it. And, and let's never, ever let those who wish to trample on our Second Amendment rights be successful. I am more of a Second Amendment enthusiast than I've ever been in my life. In fact, I have, over the airways, encouraged everybody listening to my voice, go buy a gun, learn how to responsibly own and discharge that gun, and encourage people you love and care about to do the same. Repeat, it's not a public service, it's my opinion. Go get a gun. Be responsible in getting trained on how to discharge and own and care for that gun and, and hope you never have to use that gun, but in a rare case, at least you can adequately and properly um, defend yourself. I, I want to go back to something Jim said a second ago. Racism is bad. Being a racist is terrible. I mean, I, I understand that racism exists. I understand that we have racists amongst us. Um, they should be dealt with accordingly. But white guilt is real. I mean, this modern, I don't know, this modern mindset in America today that, that are trying to guilt people into believing that they're getting more than they deserve because they're white. Um, the white guilt is, is something we've got to address. But I mean, it'll destroy this country. There is no embarrassment in being white, that there is no shame in being successful. Uh, you know, the, the world has not been fair to everyone at all times, but it's not your fault. I, mean, that, I, want, to, I want to say that again. The world has not been fair, and, and, and African-Americans were enslaved, and, and I hope America still tries to deal with that better today than yesterday, better tomorrow than today. But to the, to the average white person in America today, you shouldn't be guilty about being white, and modern intellectual society is trying to require that as part of your existence that, um, you know, you're a white person, you got more than you deserve, and you should be guilty about that. That's evil. I mean, that, that's just, that's evil. And, and don't fall for that in any way, shape, or form. Racism is bad. Being a racist is bad. Being, uh, you know, b- being a, a, a white person who finds guilt in the, the association of being born that skin color, being born a Caucasian, j- just stop with that. Take a break. Back in a few. 843-661-0937 is our number. Someone's on the phone. Let's go there. Tim in Pamplico. Good morning. You're on. Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Hey, Tim. Hey, man. Looky here. Um, you know, listen to this, but TV is a fascinating thing right now, too, because I'm glad people can see what's going on over in Israel. You know, a lot of times back in the day, you didn't receive it for a couple of days, and by then, Israel had done wiped them out. But now we can see it live. All right? But... Um, 
you hear people talking about, oh, it's an apartheid thing Israel has over there. Why do these people have to go through gates and walls and um, um, checkpoints over there? Um, because these people are trying to kill them. They will kill themselves. They will kill their fellow believers. They will kill the people they believe they're infidels because these people are trying to kill them. Israel come up with these things to keep from being killed. Now, and again, this, like you said, this is the only place in the world and those nations over there where it's okay to say, let's commit genocide. We're going to kill all the Jews. We want to kill all the Americans, all the Christians. And they do it yearly, all the time, all the time over there. But anyway, getting off of that, we can, can, we can even go back further than King David with Jerusalem. We can go all the way back to where Abraham brings rescues Lot from King Caterleomer uh, and comes back. And the king of Sodom goes out to greet him and says, hey, man, uh, kind of give me some of your stuff, and or I'm going to give you some stuff, and we're going to have a, um, you know, we'll be allied. And Abraham turns him down. The king of Salem comes out. His name is Melchizedek. And he and Lot have, um, we would call it communion nowadays. They had they had lunch, they had supper together, and in that time, that means that there were people other than Abraham that believed in the great Creator, the heaven, you know, God in the heavens. But God chose Abraham to bring on the line of Christ. But anyway, um, it just goes further back. The Bible's a fascinating history um, object if we use it for that along with the other things. But these people over here, they've sworn to kill us. Just like the other day, Hillary Clinton said we ought to take all these Trump people and put them in concentration camps and reprogram them. And you ain't heard a peep out of it except a few, few people, few people on the news and stuff. But that right there is the same as what these people over there want to do. These people that want to control, that are absolutely want power any way they can. Same things, same things going on. Hillary Clinton wants to get rid of, reprogram people that do not agree with her. And see, things just get all scattered out, just like the show has today, but we can cover all of it under one thing when you look at it like that. Anyway, I'll get off the air. It's just something to come to mind to me today, and I was just wanting to share. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it, my man. Um, yeah, I'd intended to talk a lot about what Hillary said, but then the events of over over the weekend. And I want to applaud our listeners, and I mean this sincerely. Rev and I have, have sat, you know, just got like, wow, okay. I mean, there's a depth of understanding here. And, and I think often talk radio listenership is misrepresented. Uh, you know, they're extreme – they're hardliners. You can't tell them a damn thing. Um, yeah, that that latter is probably true, but <laughs> the, the, the others uh, I, I don't believe are the case. I think there's plenty of intellect in, in talk radio universe, and you guys have demonstrated, you know, a um, a willingness. And, and I've tried to do this. There there are things I have historically believed in, but but had to go out and, and find out why. Why do you believe this? Well, I think I have a better grasp now of of the you know, the Holy Land and Jerusalem and the Ottoman Empire. And I mean, I'd heard all these stories all my life, but I didn't know what was true. And, what, and I still don't know exactly what's true and what's not. Be careful. 
whose interpretation of history you believe. I mean, history is to be interpreted and it's to be written and chronicled by people who at times have agendas and, and at times have, you know, um, an ulterior motivation than making sure historically is properly uh, accounted for. Let's go to the phone. David in the PD. Good morning, David. Hey, Ken, great comments as far as the Iranian regime versus the Iranian people. Because we can go back in our lifetime. We remember the Shah of Iran, and then we had, uh, I guess, uh, Khomeini, and then the hostages in the 1980s. Uh, Iran was fighting against Saddam Hussein. And who was uh, providing the weapons for all this stuff? And then you, you got, even within Islam, you got Sunnis versus Shiites. Uh, but there is a market for weapons there in that doggone Middle East. So maybe that's why, you know, these defense contractors like them. But, you know, two stories yesterday, there was something about Biden's classified documents that is home. I don't think anybody even heard about that uh, yesterday. But this RFK thing, that's got me kind of, uh, that's interesting because, you know, I was watching the Braves and the Phillies last night, and I hate to say it, I'm going to listen to your show too long. I'm thinking about, they asked two Democrat strongholds in two states that uh, the Republicans need. Uh, it's Philly and Atlanta, and I was going to Arizona. That's Maricopa County. But to me, RFK Jr., I call it the nostalgic Democrat. You know, remember when you had Chris Matthews on there that time? Oh, man, I mean, Hubert Humphrey was the greatest thing. RFK is the greatest thing. You never know if he can peel off, who knows, 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 votes of Democrats in some of these swing states. I think that's a story we need to, to follow. And if you can get some polling numbers on that, that would be great. I mean, but he's got to be able to get on the ballot in all these states. But uh, you guys have a good night. Hey, Shanna Clears play the Mountaineers tonight, guys. Watch that game on TV. Yeah, I told Rev that. Night. Coastal plays uh, Appalachian State tonight on ESPN, if I'm not mistaken. It'd be kind of an interesting, yes, weird sir, time to play it. Thank you, David. I appreciate the call. Yes. Kind of a weird time to play a game, but they're playing one on television when uh, when television says play one, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's That's go That's how it works. Scott and Florence. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. Great show, guys. Great uh, intellect. I hope I don't bring the overall uh, knowledge set of the show and your listeners down. Um, but I seem to remember, you know, this whole conflict between the uh, Israelis and the Palestinians, I seem to remember, and I'm old enough, uh, where probably all three of our collective memories and uh, uh, current events are similar. I seem to remember Bill Clinton got a big attaboy for the Oslo Accords back in the what, early mid nineties. And he got, uh, uh, you know, the Palestinians and the Israelis, uh, together. Um, and then the next big event was, you know, the, the, you know, elections and the Palestinian authority. And I remember it was a battle between Fatah. And I think that's when we started hearing about Hamas. And Hamas won that election. And I remember a guy named Abbas who was uh, having to hand over power. But I seem to remember that's the last time the Palestinians have had an election. You know, and, you know, that was 2005-ish, 4-ish, 5-ish, 6-ish, somewhere in there. And, you know, that's almost 20 years ago. And you've got the squad in our country saying how bad the Israelis are. 
I, I don't understand that. Maybe you guys could provide some insight. You know, here we are, you know, our ally is Israel and they've got this, you know, you know democratic, parliamentary democratic system. Whereas I don't think the Palestinians have the same thing in the bad conditions within either the West Bank and or the uh, uh, or Gaza. I, I just feel like it's, you know, it's that fight between Fatah and Hamas that kind of kicked off the tone. And why are they blaming Israel? So, you know, uh, uh, maybe you guys could provide some insight on that. I just I just don't know enough to know the answer to that. And uh, I'll hang up and let you guys get at it. Thank, 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 thank you. Very you. Much. Uh, that's, that's kind of an interesting point. You know, I've often wondered this. Is anti-Semitism a prerequisite for the Muslim faith? I'm not a Muslim. I'm not Jewish. I'm not anti-Semitic. But, but you know, when you look at the world around us, somebody, and once again, I think you got to be careful to not call all Palestinians members of Hamas. I mean, they're not. I, I would imagine they're good and decent Palestinians. They're good and decent Iranians. But their government has marginalized who they are, fair or unfairly. I mean, it just it is the way the world works. But I've often wondered when I hear the squad and, and some of the some of the Muslim members of Congress, and we've got Muslim members of Congress. I'm not saying we should or shouldn't, but are they motivated by? It's it's obvious they're offended by the relationship America has with Israel. But is their motivation anti-Semitic? Take a break. Back in a few. Welcome back. 843-661-0937 is our number. Let's go to the phone. Someone's there. Brian and Sumter listening to WDXY. Good morning, Brian. Yeah, good morning. Hey, I just want to admit two quick things. One, not everyone realizes the headquarters for all U.S. Army and Air Forces in the Middle East are in Sumter. So there's a lot of expertise there. In fact, many of the military leadership of Israel has been to Sumter in the past couple of years. Second, um, we hear occasionally about the Houthis fighting in Yemen, in uh, the Middle East. Uh, just not everyone realizes that their flag says very succinctly what they believe, and their flag has written on it, God is greatest, death to America, death to Israel, curse on the Jews, victory to Islam. That's written on their flag. So interesting that they are so explicit about what they think. Wow. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Appreciate the uh, the insight. That's hard for us to grapple with. I mean, it's really hard to get your arms around. So there are people out there who believe uh, to honor their God uh, means killing Americans, you know, or destroying America or the American way of life. Um, I mean, I understand not liking Republicans or Democrats and voting for the other the other party. And I want to say this. It, it's kind of been in, very encouraging. I have had several texts this morning about uh, enjoying the show. And I'm learning with you. I mean, you know, I, I, I know more today about the history of the Palestinian-Israeli two-state solution or not than I ever have. And I would encourage you. I mean, if you formulate these opinions, don't base it on a lack of work to try and understand. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying where you need to land and, and what you need to believe, but I think you do owe it to yourself to pursue the truth. To, to have some genuine effort given by Josh, Dave, Ken, whomever's listening to my voice. I mean, the world's a complicated place. It's extremely complicated. Don't wait on other people to tell you what to think or what to believe or, or who to believe in or who to trust or what the truth is. Pursue that yourself. 
And, you know, I think, as I said yesterday, I told Josh this morning when he walked in, I said, Josh, I, I, I was a little more withdrawn yesterday about the support of Israel because I've been scarred by our military-industrial complex and its interventionist mindset. But, but I believe that American safety and security is at risk in the Middle East. I really believe that because it's kind of the, um, I mean, it's, it's where the terrorists come from. I'm sorry. I mean, that's just the, the terrorists don't come from Poland. They don't come from Germany. I mean, the majority of terrorists come from the Middle East. And there's Iran sanctioning terrorism. Uh, Hamas and Hezbollah actively, you know, I mean, tell you publicly they're terrorists. Uh, they hide behind the, the shield of militants or organized. Yeah, anyway, let's continue the journey tomorrow. Enjoy your day.